This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Yes! Welcome everybody! Another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys on Eric Carlson and their keeper pools. Brian, we are at the end of the season. We're still going to do a show next week, but this is our last episode where we can try to predict what's going to happen in a week of fantasy-relevant games. I guess people are in playoff pools, but as far as we know, this is it. People who are going to the last week, we're, we're going to do our best to take it to the end. So yes, I'm Elon Dubrovsky. I think I said that. My co-host is here, the fantasy hockey robot himself, Brian Kong. We are hoping you are all still alive in your fantasy pools and that, yeah, you're going to get some real great info that'll help you through the rest of your week. There's also a couple questions on this week's episode. We're finally starting to look ahead. So even if you've been bounced, there are some interesting conversations to be had about a, a couple of select players who we are not sure how exactly to value based on some up and down performances this season uh, going into your, to your drafts. So there's a little something for everybody. On tonight's episode of Keeping Carlson, as per usual. Yeah, I'm really excited for this episode. I think it's a fun time to like get a little mix of that. Like, let's look into next week, like who's hot right now that might do well, you know, for the last week of the season, but also of the players who are hot or cold. Actually, it's really interesting to look at some of these slumping players and be like, how should we start thinking about them? Like you say, for next year's drafts. And of course, we'll have a whole summer series. Stay tuned all summer long. We're going to try to give you our best ever episode of Keeping Carlson right now, starting now by first saying that we are proudly presented by DauberHockey.com. They're giving you the best fantasy hockey website out there every single day. You've got new articles every day, breaking down the daily ramblings of the previous day. You've got rankings of like every position and prospects as you go to Dauber Prospects for that, plus all the tools that we use to prep the show and I use to prep my life and win my hockey leagues over at Frozen Tools. So it's all there, KeepingCarlson.com. We are very, very proud to say that we are presented by them every season of Keeping Carlson. Don't know what we would do without them. Okay, Brian, let's get started. Maybe before we get into the content for next week, why don't we do a quick rehash? We had that really fun episode last week. We had Ben from Average Time on Ice come on. He and Lewis and Jade in the background prepped us a bunch of brackets. And we had a March Madness tournament. Let's see how we did, because you and I knocked people out, took people to the finals. We ended up giving David Krejci the win as the top forward stream of the players that they gave us. So this was like people, I guess, uh, what was it like 30 to 50 percent owned in yahoo so Krejci barely made the cut seemed like an easy answer to us and hey he delivered right three assists in three games uh so far actually the bruins play detroit today at 7 30 so that game has started we'll see if he can make it four for four but yeah Krejci, a clearly good winner the big disagreement we had at one point 
we were in, I think it was a semifinal matchup. I picked Jake DeBrusque. You took Mikhail Backlund. Gotta say, so far... And by the way, you won because the chat room agreed with you. So far, I think I get the win on this. DeBrusque had a nice week. One goal, one assist in three games. Five shots. That's not that great. Backlund had seven shots on Monday. He had a great Monday game. Then only two and one shots in the next two games. He played no points, unfortunately, for Backlund. Calgary is playing today, though. So uh, we'll see what happens to him. Just like we'll see what happens to DeBrusque today. Uh, any comments on the forwards? Or do you want me to just run through uh, the rest of the bracket? I feel like I'm talking too much, Brian. You never talk too much. Don't even suggest that. Don't even put the idea in people's heads so they might start thinking you did. Uh, Well, Backlund at least had those shots on goal, right? He had that seven-shot game, and I know that's different from two points uh, for Jake DeBrusque. And I added DeBrusque myself, so I've profited from his success. And my opponent has Backlund, and I am happy I've won that matchup. But, uh, yeah, you're right. You, You convinced me. Uh, earlier in the week that DeBrusque was more worth a shot than I had uh, said on the show. So uh, sorry to everybody who passed on him because I went for him and it's turned out quite well. But also Backland, I'm hoping he'll reward all you Backland uh, committees this mm-hmm. evening. The Backland Fanaclins. I don't know. I tried. Uh, yeah. So the thing is, I feel like there's some players in the league who they don't go cold for too long. Like Mikhail Backland, if he's now pointless in three, I almost feel like it's, and I know it doesn't work like this, but I kind of feel like it's likely he's going to get a point tonight or in Calgary's next game because he never goes cold for too, too long. Kind of like Michael Furland. Like I added him at the start of this week and I was bummed out because he went pointless for the first three games for Carolina. Got me an assist today. I feel like, you know, like on one hand, you start thinking, just, oh, this guy's so cold. I'm going to drop him. I'm going to pick up someone else. But it's like I added him. I've held him this long i had a feeling he would do something look at that gave me a power play assist today so thank you to michael furland okay so the rest of the bracket uh on defense alex edler we had as our winner i feel i feel like this was another easy one and he also delivered two goals 12 shots nine hits seven blocks in three games you can't ask for more than that from a defenseman some other people in the bracket who we were excited about kevin shattenkirk no points in three games and actually that's not including today and uh the rangers won three nothing today and i'm pretty sure shattenkirk went pointless again also today so brian you were so high on Ke- you convinced me to add kevin shattenkirk in the couple finals with the way you were lauding him in that episode he and was he- doing so well goose eggs he's still like getting ice time he's still in top power play but uh Nada. Nada for Sean Kirk this week. Same for Nate Schmidt, who I was very excited about, and you were poo-pooing him, and you were right about that. He had no points in four games. Now, apparently, he might be injured. He still doesn't have injury designation on Yahoo, but his like note says that he was limping, so we'll have to see what happens. Tampa or uh, Vegas plays tomorrow. Uh, it's a tough that would be a tough situation right do if i can't stash him in ir do i drop him to add someone for tomorrow or do i leave him on my team and hope that he plays i, I don't know but whatever you would say it doesn't matter because nate schmidt is nothing i'll bet you he'll get a point if he plays next week uh <laughs> <laughs> the other two defensemen of note during that bracket that we talked about a lot oscar clef on four assists in three games so he was the main competitor i guess to alex edler or shay theater had one goal and one assist in three games he actually only played three t- times because uh, vegas scratched him on Monday, clearly not because he's playing badly, but just I guess they're resting some players going into the playoffs. I still find it strange. Like I, I, I'm assuming he was he like needed a, a reparation day or whatever. But when I see you know Colin Miller having been scratched, of course my radar goes up immediately. Like okay, what did Shea Theodore do this time, and why are John Merrill and Nick Holden and Derek Engeland not getting scratched instead of these guys assuming they're healthy, which it's it's safe to assume Theodore wasn't with how well he'd been playing lately. So we're not going to read too much into that, but that's just my general Vegas defensive scratching rant. Why? Why those guys? Why, Why scratch? It's like when teams and media blame their top 
three forwards or top six forwards because their bottom six depth just stinks and can't support them. Honestly, I feel like you don't even need to read that much into it. Like this team is in the playoffs. They're starting to get prepped. I don't even think he was hurt. Probably they just thought like if he has anything nagging, now's a good time to rest him. At this point, Vegas has no shot at top in the division. So they're going to play San Jose or maybe Calgary, but probably San Jose in the first round. They're not going to have home ice advantage. So, or maybe by Monday, they still had a chance. But I don't know. Like I, I, I feel like it wasn't a big deal. I, I think. I just took it as a resting for the playoffs. Uh, then we had uh, we had no idea what to do with goalies. We ended up somehow having Grubauer win. He was against Leonard in the finals. I think I took Grubauer, you took Leonard. And then the chat room gave Grubauer the win in the end. Grubauer played twice. Colorado only played twice. Two wins. 4-3 over Vegas on Wednesday. Then a 3-2 shootout win over Arizona on Friday. So another worthy winner. We, we, cl- we cleared the board. Brian Krejci, Edler, Grubauer all had great weeks. Uh, Leonard had a pretty good week. I guess he played twice. Uh, didn't do so well, but still got the 5-4 win over the Jets on Thursday. Stopped 33 of 37. Then he was great in a 5-1 win over Buffalo yesterday. Uh, stopped 31 of 32. One of our most contentious matchups actually was Mike Smith versus Petter Mrazek. You were like, for sure, Petter Mrazek, Mike Smith sucks. And I was like, but the schedule, the schedule. Mrazek plays Washington and Pittsburgh and all this. Anyways, uh, it ended up, I guess, being pretty close. Mike Smith. Yeah. I think oh you're going to summarize. I'll 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 give my data first at least. Mike Smith 927 save percentage over his pair of starts. Petmarazic 915 save percentage uh and won one of two whereas Mike Smith also won one of two. But I think your point Elon was that you preferred Mike Smith because of strength of schedule and the loss that Smith had didn't look as bad. Uh, in his numbers and the loss that Morazic had to Washington. Smith lost to Dallas. It didn't hurt so much um, if you're counting your save percentage stats as it did uh, for Petamorazic loss to Washington. However, they both held their own. And I will give you credit because I still thought it was uh, like not a big leap, but a, a touch of a leap to just assume Mike Smith was going to start at least two games for sure with the way we he's prone to collapsing. Yeah, well, actually, Calgary's playing today, and I believe Mike Smith has a start today, so it's going to be his third start of the week. Yeah. It was actually L.A. who gave him his first loss of the week on Monday, and I don't really want to blame Mike Smith there. Like, I guess he wasn't amazing. He stopped two, or he let in two goals on 19 shots, which, like, doesn't look like a great save percentage, but at the same time, Calgary didn't score any goals. They got shut out by L.A. Who predicted that? And we'll talk about Jack Campbell, actually, at the very end of the show, I believe. But yeah, I mean, generally, you'd think if you only let in two goals, you're going to give your team a chance to win. Uh, Anyway, okay, so let's get now. That's the summary of the bracket. Well, I like, Brian, for us to be, you know, one of those podcasts that holds ourselves accountable. If we get something wrong, you know, we we always brag when we get something right. So I like it that we also will bring it up and, you know, clear it up, see how we did. And we'll definitely be doing that over the summer, looking at a lot of our predictions over the year, what we got right and what we got wrong. But let's look at next week. And let's start with a segment where we're going to talk about injuries and outjuries that might affect the fantasy landscape for the final week of the regular season of course maybe one general strategy thing if you're in a league that goes to the final week uh you might have some superstars or even other players like sitting so keep that in mind as you're looking at schedules like if a team has a back-to-back on like a you know friday saturday or something like that you know we we have no way to predict it maybe brian as we go along if we're talking about a player you might want to bring up like i think this player is more likely to sit in a game or not but uh, i want to start with the outcheries and gabriel landeskog is a big outchery this week i didn't expect him to be back so soon actually he was back for the avalanche after missing a few weeks with an upper body injury he had an assist two shots four hits three blocks Four face-off wins somehow on Friday versus Arizona. So Gabriel Landeskog was helpful all across the board. Miko Ranton is still not skating. So at least Colorado has Landeskog back to go into the playoffs. 
Colorado has four game played next week. Uh, they're three points ahead of Arizona for the last wild card spot, or that was the case actually going into today. I believe Arizona won today, so make that only one point ahead of Arizona. So they're definitely going to be trying to win these games. So they might not even make the playoffs, but they're fighting for that last wild card spot. These were their lines on Friday. They had McKinnon with Kerfoot and Comfer. And then Soderberg with Wilson and Landeskog. So Landeskog wasn't playing with Nathan McKinnon at even strength. By the way, uh, Derek Broussard in the bottom six, like he was actually playing with McKinnon for a little while. So that's a big drop for him. But we already said not to worry about him. Uh, top power play, of course, Landeskog and McKinnon, McKinnon were together with Kerfoot, Comfer, and Tyson Berry. So, I mean, I'm not sure what advice to give about Landeskog. Like, obviously, grab him if he's available. He might have been dropped in some leagues because people thought he was done for the season. Clearly not. Four games played next week. You gotta jump on Gabriel Landeskog. Brian, the player I want to ask you about is Alex Kerfoot. Maybe he's a good guy that people could think to stream next week if it's a deeper league. Like he has now points in four straight games. And like I said, he's on the top line and the top power play with Nathan McKinnon. So great deployment and a great schedule. Yeah, for sure. Alex Kerfoot has been here before. And keep in mind that he's not a lock getting this deployment, but he has been somewhat productive in the past when Kerfoot gets just one of these two top billing assignments. And you've got Colorado playing four times. So yeah, you have to give Alex Kerfoot a shot. He's got five points over four consecutive games, four of them on the power play. And the three most recent ones of Kerfoot's points have come on goals on which McKinnon has also pointed So if and when Kerfoot does get shuffled off uh, any line with McKinnon or all lines with McKinnon, you should shuffle him off your roster too. But so long as Rantanen is still not back, which Elon, you said, uh, could still be another while given that he's not yet skating, then Kerfoot feels very, very ownable. Somebody else you might want to consider owning in Colorado, uh, JT Comfer, who is also top line, top power play in the Avalanche's last game. Unfortunately, uh, he has not been making much use of that deployment. In fact, he's been on the top power play for like 10 games or most of the last 10 games and not a power play point to show for it. Uh, He is playing almost 22, 23 minutes a night, uh, thanks to also getting some penalty kill time. So uh, if some blocks help you, some hits, some face-off wins, Comfort's a good look. And you have to think that he has produced in this position before. So perhaps playing with McKinnon, being exposed in the same way Kerfoot is, if Kerfoot's already gone, Comfort is another option for you. Yeah, just because a player hasn't gotten points uh, recently doesn't mean they won't do it in the future. With great deployment like that, four games, you might get something. But obviously, yeah, go for a Kerfoot if you could get him since he's hot and in this great spot. Uh, since we're on Colorado, Tyson Barry is now up to 56 points in 74 games on the season. That's a 62-point pace. Really good. He's one of only 12 defensemen over 50 points this year. And Brian, I actually wanted to play a game with you. I didn't put this in the notes. Uh, I think this will be fun. Let's see how many of the other defensemen above 50 points this season you can get. So here's how the game is going to work. Work, Okay. So there are 11 other defensemen aside from Tyson Barry who have over 50 points. You're just going to keep guessing them. And then until you get one wrong and then whatever number you got before you got one wrong, that's your number. Okay. That's I'm going to say, score. so you, yeah, you want to score like at least six. Let's say you want to get at least six, right? Before you get one wrong. So try to guess defensemen who have over 50 points. this year. There's 11 of them aside from Tyson Barry. Okay. Victor Hedman. Mark Giordano. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Seven. Wait, so if Seven. I get one wrong, do you're, I need to, like, I'm doomed. out? And you're out. Uh, so don't, you know, first do the easy ones. You, you got two easy ones. Okay. Giordano, 73 points. What a season for him. Okay. Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley, yes. 70 Brent, points. Brent Burns. Brent Burns, yeah. He's leading the way. 79 points. Brent Burns on fire. Eric Carlson. Brian, you suck. That what? Was big, you're wrong. You lost. 
Oh. Eric Carlson's injured. He's been injured. Oh. Okay, but if it's not pace, are we really playing this game? I mean, I said the game. I don't know. That's the game. So you lost. Uh, 40. Okay, can I keep going, though? Okay, what number are we at? I kind of lost count. Was it oh four? My God. I think I had eight. Okay, fine. <laughs> keep going. Okay, let's see. You get one, and then let's see how many more you can get. Uh, Seth Jones. Uh, wrong. Okay. That was a big swing to take with my next guest that I just begged for. <laughs> Seth Jones, 45 points in 72 games. So a good season, but not as good. So some players that you missed include Keith Yandel, 60 points in 79 games. Chris Letang's having an amazing year, even with injuries. He was my actual next guest. (laughs) 56 points in 63 games. Uh, Eric Gustafson, 56 points. How about that? That was the one I was pretty sure you weren't going to guess. Roman Yosi, who's cold right now, but still has 55 points. Uh, Thomas Shabbat, 53. And uh, Tori Krug rounds out the list, 51 points in 62 games. Which is also I can confidently okay. say I would have named nine of those. Yeah, of course. I put you on the spot just for fun. <laughs> anyway, so Tyson Berry, he was ranked 15th in D-Man average draft position on Yahoo going into the season, even though he put up a 68-point pace last season. Like I said, he's like in the top 10 or something right now of defenseman overall points. Do you think he'll be underrated again going into next season? Like, I feel like he fell in a lot of drafts. Like, we got him, Brian, in our joint league, which we won, by the way. Congratulations to us. Uh, He fell really far. We got him pretty late for a guy who puts up so many points. And I think he's going to be underrated again. Tyson Berry is so oft-forgotten. He had a 69-point pace last year, and it wasn't enough to grab people's attention for this year's drafts. And maybe that's because he only played 68 games, or maybe because it was a career high for Tyson Barry and nobody believed he could repeat it. But Elon, you and I did. We both called him for 60 points in the Almanac. And one of the reasons we did that was because we've seen 50-plus point paces from Tyson Barry in the past. And the other reason was, of course, knowing that the Avalanche have a fully formed McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog attack, and that's a great group to pick up points with for Tyson Barry. Also, he's really good at taking shots on goal. Tyson Barry is a top 10 defenseman in points per 60, shots per 60, and shot attempts per 60, not just this season, not just last season, in the last three years. Tyson Berry is a top 10 defenseman in all offensive metrics that I look at to judge a player's fantasy value. And the best, the one he's best at, sixth in points per 60 minutes. So making the most use of the time that he gets to play. Uh, I cannot name 14 defensemen that I would rather have before Tyson Barry. The X factor for him, of course, is that Colorado has repeatedly appeared to try to move on from him. And with Samuel Girard waiting in the wings, it's always possible Barry gets moved. Now he's got one year left at $5.5 million. That's a steal for him. Uh, So the Avalanche should hold him another year. And his fantasy owner should rejoice when he once again does fall further than he should in your fantasy drafts. Yeah, I like him. I think in a patron cast earlier this year, I said he was a little bit underrated. Like we were asking about like players you could maybe buy low on and he was like doing well. And I said to still buy low. I'm not sure if that actually worked out because maybe he just ended up doing as well as he was doing before. But I like Tyson Barry. I, I, I feel like uh, he's going to have another good season next year for sure. Though the Sam Gerrard thing is something to consider, but it doesn't seem like from anything we've seen this season that there's any indication that Gerrard is nipping at his heels just yet. Okay, so speaking of defensemen, another outjury, Dustin Bufflin returned to the Jets after being out over a month with an ankle injury. Uh, news on Roto World, there was a tweet by Scott Billick, was that Jacob Truba would stay on the top power play and Bufflin would take the power play two spot as the quarterback. But unfortunately, it didn't come into play yesterday. The Habs, who the Jets play, they didn't take any penalties in their 3-1 wins over the Jets. So we won't know yet if Dustin Bufflin is back on the top power play in the next game. But Jacob Truba's been doing so well there, so it's possible that Bufflin 
just doesn't get that spot. But like, hopefully Bufflin's return will spark the Jets moving forward. They've now lost three in a row. They're tied with the Predators and only two points up on the Blues in the Central Division with a week to go. So they need to win games if they want to not fall out of the division lead. So uh, I guess I'm curious, like, how do you see that division shaking up? And what are your thoughts on Bufflin moving forward? The division is tighter than most people realize, I think. Uh, And just before we accidentally set off any alarm bells, the Jets are in the playoffs, right? It's just whether or not they win their division um, and get a wildcard opponent as their first round team. And the likelihood of that happening has taken a hit over the last short while. The good news for Winnipeg is that they own the regulation and overtime wins tiebreaker over both Nashville and St. Louis, the teams chasing them. But Winnipeg also probably has the hardest schedule of the group with all four of their remaining games on the road where, get this, Elon, the Jets are just three games over 500 this year when playing on the road, 2017 and oh. So we'll see if that hurts them over the last week of their schedule. I could absolutely see Nashville sneaking ahead of Winnipeg with two very winnable home games coming up to cap off their three-game schedule this week. And St. Louis would be a wild Cinderella story, wouldn't it? Going back to the turn of the calendar, January 1st, 2019, St. Louis has exactly as many points as Tampa, but it's played three fewer games, but the rest of the league is behind them. And there's a bit of a cushion between them and third place Boston. Um, So St. Louis has been a league leading team for three months now, only 10 losses in regulation in their last 41 games. That is half a season. Wow. So do not count the blues out. Uh, They could very well pull this out and it would be very exciting if they did just like we predicted Elon. What was it now? Two and a half months ago on the back and shoulders of Jordan Bennington, but also their goal scoring. Finally woke up. Vladimir Tarasenko came to life. Yeah, Brian, I feel like it sounds like you're being sarcastic, but I did make a hot take on the show. I did say that I thought they would make the playoffs on the back of Jordan Bennington. I didn't say that they would be challenging for top in the division though. Though here's my next hot take, Brian. Nashville wins the division, and then the Blues beat the Jets in round one. That's my next take, because the Jets are concerning me, and Connor Hellebuck, I don't know, he's good sometimes, he's not good sometimes, doesn't seem like a super reliable guy that we were hoping he would be going into the season. So we'll wait and see. We'll talk about playoff predictions next year. Brian, let me quickly just mention about Bufflin. So he played 24 minutes, 24 seconds in his first game back. No points, no shots. That's a bummer. Three hits, one block. So he played big minutes, didn't get in on any offense, but of course he's an offensive guy. Overall, Four games for the Jets next week. Are you confident that he'll have an impact? Like if he was dropped or people have him in their IR, should they confidently be adding him into their lineup? Like meanwhile, you've got Jacob Truba continuing his amazing run. He is on a four-game point streak. He has eight points in his last seven games. So he's been amazing. If you had the choice somehow uh, between Truba and Bufflin for next week in a bangers league, but they're both good for the bangers category. So I think those kind of cancel each other out. So you could just focus on the offense. If you could choose between Truba and Bufflin for next week, who would you take? Uh, so you're, you're just setting me up, right? Cause you're going to lead me into choosing Bufflin and knocking Truba. And then you're going to be like, Brian, how can you still continue denying that Jacob Truba is amazing? So let's just take this slow. Okay. I would take Dustin Bufflin, but we need to give Jacob Truba his due since Bufflin's most recent injury. Truba has two goals and 14 assists for 16 points in 18 games, 10 of those 16 points coming with the man advantage, and 36 shots in those 18 games, so a couple shots per game. This is a fantastic run for Jacob Truba, as he had during Bufflin's last absence from the lineup in January 2. Truba is just crushing it 
on the power play when Bufflin is not there. Uh, the thing about Truba is that his five on five production actually has not risen above that of past seasons in terms of his rate stats or has been standout at all in terms of raw stats. But uh, Truba is certainly making a case for being this legit top power play guy. You've been touting him as Elon for so long uh, with how many points he just continues to rack up in that position. Of course, Let's name that Jacob Truba is on a top power plane with amazing firepower, carrying a 70% IPP. That's too high. A 10% shooting percentage. That's a little suspicious. And an on-ice shooting percentage near 18%, which is actually fine for some of the better power plays in the league, but not guaranteed to hold. So I'm just pointing out that there are some flags here that Jacob Truba is not like 45 power play point pace amazing but he's still really good and whether I want Truba or Bufflin totally hinges on whoever does get the top power play time I could see reasons for Winnipeg to go both ways Bufflin because he's probably their guy long term uh, like by long term I mean for the rest of the season Truba because he's been so hot so my answer if it's possible is why not own both yeah, of course. If only fantasy worked like that, right? You can just get all the players that you want. You don't have to make any decisions. Uh, I wasn't trying to lead you into anything. I have nothing more prepared to discuss <laughs> on the matter. So we can move forward. Well, Another- who would you pick? I think I'd go Truba. He's the one that's hot right now. Bufflin, I don't know. Like, I mean, well, Bufflin is Bufflin be hot? He's been injured. I know he's not, but I'm saying Truba is. So I'm just going to ride the hot hand. That's what I'm saying. I see. I could be wrong. I wouldn't bet a million dollars on it, but I'd make a friendly gentleman's bet with you if you want. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm 50, 50. Like I am leaning Truba. If this report that Truba is going to QB the top power play unit is true, uh, then I am picking Truba. I just want the guy on the top power play. Yeah, so neither of them are available. Probably no one has this choice to make. I just thought it'd be a fun question to ask. And we can move on to the New York Rangers. Another outjury there. Chris Kreider returned on Friday, jumped right back to his line one power play one spot and scored a goal versus the St. Louis Blues. Uh, he then played against Philly today. There was an early afternoon game between the Rangers and Philly and another assist for Chris Kreider in the win. Another one of those crazy games where uh, Alexander Georgiev stopped 29 shots for a shutout. Does Georgiev have the record for most shutouts on Sundays, I feel like there's, it's happened many times on our podcast that we talk about Georgiev having just gotten a shutout. I think it was, if not a shutout, then a great win against the Leafs uh, maybe a month ago, also on a Sunday. Anyways, we're here talking about Chris Kreider. He had gone five straight games without a point before the injury, putting a real damper on what had been a fantastic run for him. Like He had 47 points in 62 games on the season overall. That's a 62-point pace. Then he went really cold, though, right at the end. Like I said, uh, he was pointless in five. and He was, he was cold for a while before he got injured. Uh, but ju- that just goes to show how well he was doing before he got hurt, right? Anyways, now he'll likely end the season with his typical mid-50s point pace uh, with injuries along the way, which makes him a risky guy to draft too high. Is that where you'll be projecting him for next year as well, a mid-50s guy? Is there anything to the fact that he's taken more shots this season than ever before to convince you that maybe you like him a little more? I know you've never been a huge fan of Chris Kreider. Has anything changed for you? And at least for next week, is he the type of guy that you'd be jumping on if he's available in free agency? Like, I will mention actually one more player that you can just talk about the bunch. Uh, joining Kreider on the top line, along with Mika Zibanejad, of course, has been Pavel Buchnevich, who's been there for a while. We talked about him last week. He was in the bracket, got past the first round, I believe. And Buchnevich has been really great. Maybe he should have actually contended and competed against David Krejci to win the whole thing. He's currently on a six-game point streak. He continues to produce. I believe he did something today. Yeah, he scored a goal, assisted by Zabanjet and Kreider over in the first period to lead off the game. Uh, the Rangers have an amazing schedule next week. They play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Next week is a totally stacked Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday slate. So you can get three off-day games from a Ranger if you add one. So I got to ask you, if both Kreider and Buchnevich are available, who would you want 
or is the correct answer just to figure out how to find room for both because this is a great schedule. Well, I'm going to give my answer quickly uh, just because I want to talk about something else and tra- diverge for just a moment. So Buchnevich is my answer, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But before I do, Alexander Georgiev, uh, no shutouts on Sundays coming into today, this season. Uh, in fact, Sunday is his second worst day of the week. Huh. Uh, he's got an 897 save percentage. I, I don't know if this has been updated with today's games on Sundays, 884 on Mondays, uh, the rest above 900, but like he's also a backup. So he's started like, you know, once on a Thursday. Anyway, this is not information that you're dying to know. You want to know, should I add Pavel Buchnevich? Or Chris Kreider. Um, Elon, you sort of built this narrative where Kreider like had a good season and then went cold at the end. And I take issue with that. Chris Kreider was icy for like a month beginning in late November and has frankly been unimpressive since like February. And such is a season in the career of Chris Kreider. I appreciate your silver lining look at Kreider's shot totals where we have seen a modest improvement in his counting numbers, though they are purely a function of Kreider seeing career high time on ice. In fact, Kreider's rate stats for shots on goal and shot attempts are down from the last two seasons. So the takeaway here is that we're not seeing a Chris Kreider who's found a new gear or element to his game. We're just seeing a Chris Kreider who is spending more time on the ice, which Elon, in your opinion, it's just about as good, right? I mean, whatever gets you the points, right? If it's because he's a better player, he's getting more ice time, he has the same points per 60. If he's going to play more time, give me. I, I'd rather take the guy getting more ice time because that then still opens up the door for him to also find a new gear in the future. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I say it's the same. Yeah, and I guess, well, you could say the guy who's found a new gear could see more ice time. I guess it's just a matter of, like, given the context of a player's career, which one is more likely to sustain? Like, are they going to keep getting 18 minutes a night or are they just going to keep playing as well as they've suddenly played? Anyway, Kreider falls in the former category of just getting more ice time so he can take more shots. Um, but I prefer Buchnevich because he's hot. He's shooting again. Uh, I also acknowledge, though, that Buchnevich can run cold and Kreider can put up like six points in three games when he's up for it. So this is a coin flip decision. They're both playing with Zibanejad. That's who you want a Ranger to be playing with. Uh, one other name I'll throw in here alongside the, the likes of JT Comfer, Elon, Ryan Strom, who is on the top power play in New York right now, which is nice, uh, but he's actually picking up a bunch of his points at five on five, despite playing with an assortment of line mates. That's as random as his production. Strom is seeing time lately with Lias Anderson, Nemesnikov, VC, uh, Brett Howden, Bunievez. Uh, and with those players, Strom has five goals and two assists for seven points in his last six games, uh, though five goals uh, have come on 13 shots. So that's unsustainable for Ryan Strom. But again, he's on the top power play and he's getting like 17 or 18 minutes a night. So if all the other Rangers are taken and you're looking for a way to get some extra games played, maybe Ryan Strom is uh, a lower odds lottery ticket. Okay, well, like I said, the Rangers have a great schedule next week, so I would definitely be into trying to get either of these guys. And speaking of the New York Rangers, you know what I'd love to do is go watch a New York Rangers game. How fun would that be over at MSG? They're playing the Blue Jackets there on April 5th. That would be a lot of fun. And if you ever need tickets for that or anything else, make sure to check out our sponsor for this week's episode, which are our friends over at SeatGeek. For a long time, buying tickets has been really difficult and annoying with few big companies who don't really care about the customer. Well, SeatGeek 
They are different. They are a ticket company where the customer comes first. They have more than 50,000 five-star reviews in the App Store, and SeatGeek is focused on making your experience as easy as possible. They pull millions of tickets from all over the web, rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and displays them on an interactive seat map so it's simple to find what you're looking for. Green dots are the good deals. Red dots are overpriced. Easy peasy. So easy to use. You're going to find yourself your good seats. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Brian, I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. In fact, I just use SeatGeek to buy tickets to many different things. And when I say just, I mean all throughout the season. Actually, Brian, <laughs> what I'd like to talk about right now is if I wanted to go see this Rangers game in New York on April 5th, I can see the Rangers get some blue jackets. Or if I'm in New York, though, I wish I would be. It's such a fun place to visit. But I might have some other options of things I might want to do. I could actually go to WrestleMania Access on Friday. Do you know it's WrestleMania time? Actually, there's WrestleMania Access on friday then there's wrestle is that really in new york wow at metlife stadium uh on april 7th so brian what do you think would be more expensive to get tickets to see the blue jackets at the rangers on SeatGeek or to go see wrestle freaking mania wrestle freaking mania is my guess for more for more expensive yeah, that's right. 180, but still a pretty good deal, right? Less than 200 bucks. You go see WrestleMania. Uh, was what is it here? 84 dollars to the cheapest to get blue jackets at the Rangers. But hey, if those prices are just seeming a little too high for you, there is a way that they could get it for a little less, right? Yeah, our listeners, and this is the best part of all of this. Our listeners are going to get ten dollars off their first SeatGeek purchase. That's right, just for listening, Keeping Carlson. Smart choice because you get to use our promo code Keeping for ten dollars off on your first. Purchase, you use that for concert tickets, sports, comedy, whatever you want. SeatGeek supports our show, so go support them because they support us and we support you and you support us and uh, we're all getting together so well. Remember, that's promo code KEEPING for $10 off on your first purchase. SeatGeek, no no slogan. Be a geek, get a seat over at SeatGeek. <laughs> all right, no slogan. That means we get to make the slogan. So let's move on to more outjuries. Marcus Johansson returned for the Bruins on Wednesday. And yet, I, I probably wouldn't have even brought it up. It was such a nothing return. But I had to say that he was playing on the top line with Marchand and Bergeron recently. He bumped Pasternak to the second line to play with Krejci and Jake DeBrust. Looks like that didn't last the whole game. Looking at the line commas, looks like things shifted back around uh, for this game where the Bruins lost 4-1 to to the Panthers. So I guess once they were losing, the coach decided, all right, let's get back to what we know works. And Marcus Johansson didn't do himself any favors. He In his two games since returning from his injury, no points, two shots in two games. So basically nothing. Can't imagine he sticks on line one. So we're just going to ignore him and his boring Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule for next week, right? There's no way we're recommending for anyone to add Marcus Johansson. Uh, you know... He is boring, but if that line does stick with Johansson playing on the top line, that helps him. I think it also helps David Krejci and Jake DeBrusque for sure to get Pasternak playing with them. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Boston continue trying to experiment with their line combos over their last few games played to see, hey, do they love loading up and having one of the best lines in hockey with Pasta, Bergeron, and Marchand? Or do they think maybe now's the right time where Bergeron Marchand can still drive one of the best lines in hockey without Pasternak, and then Pasternak can go help out another line? Uh, So Marcus Johansson could still be worth a look as potentially playing in the top six if you somehow have roster space on Tuesday or Saturday, which you likely don't. So yes, Elon, all that to say he is a pretty boring choice. Of course, I'd prefer Jake DeBrusque still, but Marcus Johansson in a very deep league could be worth a look. 
Yeah, Ivy's on the top line. And like I said, that didn't even last the whole game. So I feel like they might try someone else if they want to split up. There are three superstars there. Okay, we've got an injury over in Vegas. Max Pacioretty returned. But Paul Stasny was pulled from yesterday's game versus the Sharks as he apparently pulled something during warm-ups. I hate that, man. Like, I didn't have a chance to take him out of my roster and put him in IR because he got hurt during warm-ups. By the time I found out, the game had already started. So always a frustrating thing in fantasy. And But, of course, probably people are more frustrated if they're fans of the Golden Knights because Paul Stasny has been so, so good. That would be a huge loss if he's out for any length of time. Hopefully it was just precautionary. Either way, Alex Tuck went back to the bottom six because Pacioretty came back. And then Cody Eakin got promoted to center the second line with Stone and Pacioretty. And he scored a goal. So a nice promotion for Cody Eakin and a good spot for him if Stasny does stay out. So, Brian, do you think Cody Eakin could make a good stream for next week if Stasny turns out to not be able to play in that game? The Golden Knights play on Monday and then on Thursday, Saturday. So if you have a lot of ads, you could grab Cody Eakin for Monday and then switch and add someone else for the rest of the week. And yeah, like I said, huge bummer for Stasny owners like me, by the way, in the couple. He's been on fire. He's got seven points his last six games. Hopefully he's fine. Vegas is going to need him for the playoffs. Cody Eakin's time on ice jumped up by about five, six minutes in his last game. So Eakin is certainly worth keeping an eye on to see if that's how the rest of the season goes. Should Stasny stay injured, that Eakin gets to play with Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. Hey, we liked him when he played with Sagan and Ben, which I always remind people. So we like him playing with Patches and Stone, uh, which makes him a very good ad as a top six player landing on a very good line just by virtue of other guys being there. Not because of him. Yeah, I guess long run, there's still Eric Howla on Vegas. So maybe like come playoff time, if, if Howla comes back, and I heard rumors that he might be able to come back, then Cody Eakin would have a lot of trouble getting into the top six. But for now, Eakin is the guy there. And by the way, since we're on Vegas, that top line, Marsh or so, Riley Smith, William Carlson, they're all on fire right now. All, each of them are on runs of over a point per game or more over the past few weeks. Interestingly, though, none of them are, are on pace to end the season with over 60 points while they all paced for over 70 last year. So to recap that, they were all amazing last year. They all have been not as good this year, but are heating up right now so brian does this late run make you think that these guys still have it in them to put up numbers like last year or all their overall numbers this year which i'm talking about like 55 to 60 point paces for all of marcia so smith and carlson is that what we should expect next year like what's your current take on this top line i know that you probably would rather i ask you about each of them individually but just overall like they all it's just it seems interesting how they all sort of seem to go hot and cold together which i guess makes sense when you're on a line and power play together Yeah, funny how that works. When you spend a lot of time together, you have the same fortune. So, Elon, does it make sense if I say that I think Marcheseau can do, uh, like, a lot better, but not necessarily the other two? I mean, you could say it. It's like a boring take that you've, you know, said before. (laughs) But, like, Riley Riley Smith, by the way, is the hottest of the three. Like, he's almost the guy that, if I was just recommending someone for next week, I'd probably say Riley Smith over Jonathan Marcheseau for the rest of the season. It, I mean, you might get some pushback on Riley Smith being the hottest. Overall, it's a very handsome line. Uh, I like Marcia So to improve the most. He's got the most room to improve on poor variants going into next year. Uh, also the most talent, which is a point I've hammered home a lot over the last year on the show. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if each of Marcia So, uh, William Carlson, and Riley Smith each picked up a few more points next year. As one piece of misfortune they all have in common is Vegas's power play shooting success. Uh, the Golden Knights have the fifth lowest team power play shooting percentage in the league, but the fifth highest team expected goals for per 60 on the power play in the league. And that's a massive gap 
to be experiencing. So if the Golden Knights can keep their power play just as dangerous next year, hopefully regression will close up that gap between expected and actual to help pad these three's point totals further next year. Like, I bet Jonathan Marcheseau is going to be a steal in September. And I wouldn't say that, uh, like, I, I think you'll probably be able to get Riley Smith and William Carlson for good value too. But that's assuming the lines stay the same. Like, I, I think they will since they have with Mark Stone in the lineup. But now that he's there for a full season, you wonder if they adjust their look based on what happens in the playoff. The jury's still out, right? We don't know what Vegas looks like in September, but all three guys are due for a few more points. Marsha, so a few more than a few more points uh, if they all keep their current deployment. Yeah, it's uh, going to be an interesting situation. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the playoffs. And like you say, a lot of what they decide to do next year might depend on how the playoffs go. Tough first round matchup for Vegas. Looks like they're going to play San Jose. San Jose hoping they'll get Eric Carlson back. Now Vegas hoping they're going to get Paul Stasny back. Also Nate Schmidt if he's injured. I know, Brian, you're not like super into Nate Schmidt for offense, but he's clearly a key part of their team in terms of giving them chances to win. He plays a lot of minutes. He's a really strong uh, defensive defenseman, I'd imagine. So uh, yeah, like uh, a lot of that playoff series and predicting it is going to come down to at least for me like seeing like what's the health status of all these players but we'll we'll get into that next week uh another player whose health status is going to make a big impact is Marc-Andre Fleury he still hasn't started skating yet and Malcolm Subban has not been great he's lost five games in a row now so like at this point I guess if you need starts next week from goalies like Subban if he's out there he's a guy you can grab but he hasn't been that great uh he'll get you a couple games but it's hard to recommend adding him like he still has a decent chance to get a win just because Vegas is a good team but yeah yeah, hopefully Vegas gets Flurry back for the playoffs or that's going to be a real bummer. It's going to be a huge bummer. They're going to have to carry Subban through the playoffs if the Golden Knights don't have Marc-Andre Fleury in net. I, I, I'm hoping that like they're just giving him some time to rest and make sure he's 100%. There's no point coming back at 80 or 90% when their first round matchup is all but decided because uh, Malcolm Subban has an 885 save percentage and only one of his starts has been north of 900 in his last five since shutting out Winnipeg. So uh, he showed up for one big game and hasn't shown up in the next five. It would be a dangerous situation. That, that would probably be a good, I'm not a betting guy, Elon. I'm sure the, the odds take this into account. But if Vegas is going into the first round without Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, that might make uh, their opponent an easier pick for good odds. I don't yes. know. I don't know how these things work. Yeah, odds is the right word to use. I think you know at least that, yeah, especially if the Sharks have Eric Carlson, then I think that would be a huge point in their favor. Uh, another injury from yesterday, Victor Hedman absorbed a hit from Carl Haglin. He took a Haglin's helmet to the chin. So that's, uh, he left the game, didn't return, no update so far. Uh, they haven't said if he went through the concussion protocol or not. There's apparently going to be an update tomorrow. So maybe Hedman's totally fine, or maybe he's going to miss some time. In his absence, Mikhail Sergachev saw a nice bump in ice time. He played 24 minutes and 37 seconds yesterday as opposed to his usual 18-ish minutes. Uh, Sergachev also got onto the top power play, and he actually picked up a power play assist along with an even-strength assist to give him his second straight two-assist game in a row. Before that, he was pointless in six games, but Sergachev had a nice game yesterday, even though uh, Tampa lost to Washington, but Sergachev did well. Brian, assuming Hedman is hurt, if an update comes out by the time... So people listen to this podcast, first go check Roto World, see what the most recent update is on Victor Hedman, and then if it turns out he's going to miss some time, then Brian, would Sergachev be a must-add for next week with Tampa playing four games, or is it still likely that he goes back to low ice time? Because don't forget, last time that Hedman was injured, it was actually Ryan McDonough who took over on the top power play. We thought it was going to be Sergachev, but it ended up being McDonough, and McDonough, by the way, played a whopping 29 minutes and 13 seconds yesterday so he also got a huge bump in ice time he's gone into beast mode 
ever since I picked him up in the cup full a few weeks ago. It's been amazing. 10 points in his last 10 games to go along with 28 blocks and 22 hits. MVP, MVP, Ryan McDonough. I love him. If he's somehow available, I got you got to say you'd go McDonough over Sergachev, right? But I feel like McDonough's probably not available in most leagues. So what do you think about Sergachev? I like them both. Uh, McDonough and Sergachev actually have very similar numbers offensively this season at five on five. Sergachev has been better at getting a few more shots off, but uh, like not by a lot. And McDonough's and Sergachev's points and expected goals rates are very, very similar. If I had the choice between the two of them, I think I will take Ryan McDonough in large part because he did take the top power play duties last time Hedman was out. And if he's going to be playing almost a half an hour a game, uh, that's a pretty good chance of picking up a point with the rest of the Tampa Bay Lightning lineup. So that's why I favor McDonough by a smidge. But I will take a chance on Sergeyev in case he is the one who is quarterbacking that top power play. Well, yeah, and I don't think McDonald's available. Like I said, in a lot of leagues, it's really hard to get defensemen. So I feel like if Sergachev is out there, you got to take a shot on him just because this Tampa team, they're, they're, you know, they're not going to rest Sergachev, right? Like he's a young guy. Even if they rest some of their other players, I feel like Sergachev could play all four games. And if you need a defenseman and if they're not going to rush Hedman back, if something's wrong, especially if you find out that Hedman's going to miss some time, I think you got to go and grab Sergachev if you're in a league where it's hard to find defensemen generally. Uh, JT Miller, since we're on Tampa, he's still hot, right? We talked about him last week. We didn't recommend adding him just because Tampa only played two times and so he wasn't able to make it far in our bracket but his one goal and one power play since yesterday extended his point streak to six games maybe you know it was actually worth it to move him forward even for only his two games because he keeps getting points I assume he's the top Tampa forward to own next week after Kucherov, Stamkos and point at this point we you know we sort of jump around between like Palat who I think is still injured and Tyler Johnson but right now JT Miller clearly seems to be the guy looks like lines were shaken up a lot in the 6-3 loss to the Caps yesterday Yesterday with the big three even playing together for a bit but generally Miller has been playing with Stamkos at even strength and he's been a nice fixture on the top power play for a while now so I don't even really have a question for you unless you want to jump in and talk about JT Miller seems to me like he is a guy that you definitely want to add if you can because Tampa plays four times maybe though for people in deeper leagues if you have Anthony Sorelli available I'd be curious to get your thoughts on him uh he went pointless yesterday but he has 12 points in his last 14 games overall he's only 21 years old so do we have a future big producer on our hands here another tampa bay young player who's going to turn into a big score he only has 37 points on the season overall but yeah for next week and moving forward what are your thoughts on anthony sorelli and then also you could let me know if you want to say something about jt miller Well, what you're saying about JT Miller is more about what you're not saying about Tyler Johnson, who we talked about is a great potential option for you to pick up uh, on Saturday night after the quiet Tampa week last week. And you can get him while he's still uh, hopefully hot and ready to produce. But Johnson has just two goals and no assists in his last six games. uh, And he's doing his best impression of third wheel pal Andre Palat, doing very little with the great deployment that he's had. So forget Tyler Johnson forget tj and go jt and also jtt is such a cutie uh also anthony sorelli uh, i can't say i know for sure who he's going to be but at this point i feel comfortable saying that he's not going to be a big goal scorer i i know i know he's got four goals in his last six games but sorelli has four goals on just 11 shots only 24 shots for sorelli if you look back to the last 18 games uh that's 
what he's been able to put on net while on this offensive run. So I'm not getting too invested in him uh, scoring sustainably uh, goals or even picking up assists uh, this sustainably. But I will all but assure you that Anthony Sorelli will be the centerpiece of several Tampa Bay Lightning playoff narratives being spun on Hockey Night in Canada as the Lightning head to the playoffs. He's the sort of guy that they love to celebrate instead of like someone in the actual top six doing actually great things. I mean, hey, Sorelli. Yeah, you've been you've been beating this drum ever since last year. You really didn't like how much I talked about Sorelli. Hey, he's on a hot run now. We'll see if he can get up. Like you say, it doesn't look like it might be sustainable. By the way, you said JTT is a cutie. Whatever happened to Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Like, did he ever do any? I remember he was like the teen heartthrob at the time while he was on Home Improvement. I haven't heard that name for so long. Like, is he still an actor? I can't imagine he is. Uh, according to Wikipedia, he is. Uh, he's in. How old do you think he is? Like, I feel like when I was, like, 10 or whatever, he was a teenager. So I'm 36 right now. So I'm going to guess, like, 41, like, around there. Okay, he's 37 years old. Yeah, 37 and a half. Uh, So way to go, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And it says he's still an actor and a voice actor. Do you know uh, who he was in The Lion King? Was he Simba? I think I did know this. He was young Simba. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Who do you think has, who has more Twitter followers, us or Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Uh, definitely uh, JTT. Is he still tweeting though? Is he still in the public eye? At least we do a podcast every week. You think if I type in, no, I, t- I typed in JTT Twitter and it didn't, it was like the sixth result. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, uh, he, oh, we have more. Yeah. And he I'm hasn't so- tweeted since November, 2015. JT, step up your social game. This is yeah. your time. But if he does, then we'll need you, the listeners, to help us out to stay ahead. So follow us at Keeper Carlson. <laughs> We're now in a personal battle <laughs> with JDT to stay ahead of him in Twitter followers. Yeah. Okay. So I wonder how about JT Miller, who has the most Twitter fo- Okay. But no, we got to move on. Uh, ben Bishop is injured again. So classic Ben Bishop. These injuries are ruining what could have been a Vesna caliber season. Like Bishop has been so good, but the dude can't stay healthy. Brian, I'm not going to, I know I want to, but I'm not going to bring up all of our debates over the summer, how I was worried about Ben Bishop being injury prone. I promise I'm not even going to bring it up, but I will say that there's no question that Anton Hudobin to me is a must, 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 must add for next week, right? He's been so amazing lately. He's even been doing better lately than he has overall on the season. He's been great overall on the season. He has a 925 save percentage overall, but a 937 save percentage over his past eight games. Dallas plays Philly on Tuesday, then Chicago on Friday, and then Minnesota Saturday. So three very beatable teams. There's a decent chance Hudobin plays all three games if Bishop is hurt. I'm sure Dallas is going to rest him as much as they need to to get him ready for the playoffs. So yeah, I mean, are you with me? Hudobin, if he's available as a free agent in your league and you need a goalie or you could use a goalie, I can't think of a better player to add right now. Yeah, Dallas is desperate. They must, must win. So Hudobin is a must add. Of course, it doesn't mean the Stars are going to win, but you at least would hope that they're going to be trying their hardest to solidify their spot in the playoffs. Yeah, you know that they, so they have 89 points and Arizona now has 84 points. So it looks like Dallas is pretty secured into their playoff spot, but they might, are they in the central or the Pacific? This is making me look dumb. I think they're in the Pacific, right? No, central. So I, they're probably not going to catch St. Louis. So, okay. The, but they, they still want to get that last uh, wild card spot. By the way, if Dallas gets that uh, top wild card and then plays 
like Winnipeg or Nashville, like I feel like they could win that series, especially because they're about to get someone back. Matt Zuccarello has been practicing, could return as soon as Tuesday versus Philly. He's another guy, by the way, if he's available, uh, people need to rush to Adam right now, especially with that Friday off game, right? I said Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. Most teams play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday next week. And Matt Zuccarello was so, like he was so hot uh, before getting hurt. 25 points in his last 22 games, including uh, two points in his first game as a star before he got hurt. Uh, so yeah, Matt Zuccarello, like grab him. And I, I could uh, see Dallas being a team that gets an upset, even if Ben Bishop is injured. Like Hudobin has been great. And uh, since we're on Dallas, I will point out that Rupe Hints has uh, stayed relevant. We mentioned him a couple weeks ago. He has three assists in his last three games, so good for him. Uh, maybe he takes a hit in the lineup or an ice time with Zuccarello back and also throw out Radic Faxa. He has four points in his last four games. So yeah, we'll have to see the lines. Brian, do you have any thoughts on any of these Dallas guys that I've brought up? Well, first off, hard disagree that Dallas could be a first round upset. They're likely going to be against Calgary or the winner of the Central. And uh, it's not going to go well for them. They're too thin, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm going to like if there's a team most likely to get swept in the first round, it's going to be one of those Western Conference wildcard teams. I guess you can throw mm-hmm. in Columbus as another possibility, but Bobrovsky has been so hot. Have we not talked about how hot Bobrovsky is? But we're not talking about him yet. Maybe at the end of the show, we're talking about the Dallas Stars. Uh, Matt Zuccarello, definitely go get him. If you want to stash him while he's still on IR, that'd be a great move for the rest of the week to try and sneak in a game or two from him as the season winds down. Rupe hints, Elon, I was just reading your tweet from five days ago where you called me out for having been thinking, even considering adding Rupe hints. Uh, and then, yeah, he went ahead and had a pretty good week. If Matt Zuccarello comes back, though, I think Rupe hints has a decent shot of getting knocked off the top line with Ben and Sagan. So keep that in mind. If you're owning hints and Zuccarello comes back, you might need to cut bait quickly. So actually, Brian, I'm seeing Rupe Hints was playing on a line with Jamie Ben and Jason Dickinson. It's been uh, Radulov. Oh, I don't know. It looks like Dallas like shook things around in their last game. So who knows? Anyways, they'll shake it around again once Zuccarello is back. By the way, what was this tweet? I didn't just out of nowhere shame you for considering adding Rupe Hints. I think it was because it was over some really great players like Debruska and Nylander or something, right? And both of them did really well. Uh, but anyways, okay. Definitely <laughs> not over Nylander. That's nonsense. I did not suggest that. And I will, yeah, I will clarify that most of Hints has not been playing... Uh, with Jamie Ben and one other good guy. He's generally, when he's in a good place, playing with Radulov and Sagan, or he's been playing with Ben and Jason Dickinson. So both are weird places for him to be, I guess. How confident are you, Brian, that it wasn't over uh, William Nylander? Because it, how about this? If you're, I don't remember 100%, but would you be willing to let me tweet out our conversation where you were ranking hints above Nylander before I convinced you otherwise? Um... If it, if it exists, you shouldn't have okay, it. Like, I feel like it's pretty unlikely, okay. but I guess I'll, you could. I'll go back in our conversation. We'll see. I'll post it in the Facebook group if okay. it turns out that, that was the case. Uh, so you can become a patron, keepingcarlson.com slash patron for just a dollar to see me potentially embarrass Brian in the Facebook group. So let's go now to some cold streaks. We're done with our injuries and outries segment. I think the cold streak segment is always an interesting part of the show because at this point, it's basically we're playing a game of can I drop him? I'm going to tell you a bunch of players who are cold. And if you have them on your team going into the final week of the fantasy season, Brian, at this point, there's no more thinking about the future. It's like, do you hold this guy for the final week? or do you just let him go let's start with mikhail granlin over on nashville we were like worried about him on nashville before we said like what should we expect and then at some points we said like i don't know you might want to start considering other options but uh we never flat out said to drop him and i kind of wish we did he has zero points in his last eight games zero points for a 70 point player on the nashville predators 
has this been bad luck or does Mikhail Granlin just suck now? And by the way, he's not the only Pred that's pointless in eight. Roman Yosi also has pointless in eight games. How is this happening? So uh, what do you do going into next week? Are you dropping Granlin or Roman Yosi? If say like Sergachev is available, do you drop Yosi for Sergachev? Or uh, I don't even know who you would drop for like Rupe Hints. Could you drop Granlin for Rupe Hints? Like, like, uh, what, like what's going on with Granlin? He's the one I'm most concerned about. Okay, well, first off, what's going on with Nashville, who has just seven goals in their last five games? So that partially explains what's happening to Yossi, for sure. Like, Yossi, I have no reservations about. You need to hang on to him. He's still shooting. He's still blocking. He's still seeing near 25 minutes of ice a night. So please hold, uh, Roman Yossi. Mikhail Grenland, uh, I think we've mentioned this before, but when we talk about Nashville, Mikhail Grenland, we need to remember some key differences between him and Minnesota, Mikhail Granlin. First off, Nashville, Mikhail Granlin is averaging uh, more than a minute and a half fewer of ice time per game. I'm trying to use less and fewer better, and I used fewer there. I actually looked it up for that one, and it sounded wrong to me as I said it, but there it is. Um, also, Nashville, Mikhail Granlin, no longer a lock for top power play time. Though, Elon, have you noticed the weird looks of the Nashville power play lately? No, I'll be honest, I haven't been paying much attention to them. What are they doing? So over the last three games, their most common combinations have Forsberg playing with Granlund, Wayne Simmons, and Kyle Touris. And this is all from Frozen Pool, of course. And uh, their second most common combination is Arvidsson, Brian Boyle, Ryan Johansson, and Craig Smith. And then it seems like they have this other iteration with uh, that's seen a little bit of time, which is Ryan Johansson, Granlin, Philip Forsberg, and Victor Arvidsson. So like the big three plus Granlin, which is the best case scenario for Granlin. But they continue to, like I, I complain about this every time we talk about Nashville, they continue to trot out power play Brian Boyle, uh, who has a total of one power play point in 23 games as a Nashville Predator, but continues to see deployment alongside some of their best power play scorers. Uh, okay, so point being, Mikhail Granlin not necessarily in as great a power play position in Nashville as he was in Minnesota. Also, no longer consistently with the same line mates or line mates as good as necessarily Eric Stahl, Jason Zucker, Zach Parise, even Miku Koivu. Uh, instead, Granlin's been with some inconsistent, ever-changing mix of Kyle Turris, Colton Sissons, Nick Benino, Wayne Simmons. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons to not like Nashville Granlund as much as we did Minnesota Granlund, but all those reasons stated, Granlund should still be doing better than this, than there's no points in his last eight games. At five on five, Granlund has yet to score as a predator on 17 shots on goal, and his line mates have only scored on four of 85 shots while he's on the ice. That's lower than a 5% on-ice shooting percentage. Uh, so things should turn for Granlund, but you can still drop him, especially with a week schedule for him in the final week. Uh, still a decent stream option if you're searching for someone and he fits into your lineup because he's bound to hit the score sheet at some point, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, I wouldn't consider him a streaming option. Forget him for the rest of the season. I'll be very he'll be a really fun guy to talk about over the offseason and projecting him for next year. Like maybe things were just great for him in Minnesota. He really had good chemistry with the people he played with. Uh, this is not working out for him right now as a Nashville Predator. Uh, another guy, this will be an easier one, I think. Clayton Keller. Pointless in six games now after like Arizona scored four goals today. It's very rare for the Arizona Coyotes to score more than like two goals in a game, but still no points for Clayton Keller. Uh, So he's been doing nothing. 
maybe he'll be good one day. He's super young. I know Cameron Robinson. Like I actually wrote on the Facebook group, somewhat tongue in cheek. I was like, hot take Clayton Keller sucks. Uh, and then Cam said, I'm going to live to like regret this post one day. And I clarified, I just meant for this season. So I don't know about the future right now. I'm, I, I dropped Clayton Keller in the couple. I had traded for him earlier on. I thought I was like a brilliant genius. I think I traded uh, Miko Koskinen for him. And it was looking like a really smart trade for me. At this point, I give me Koskinen. I'd much rather have Koskinen right now than Clayton Keller, who does absolutely nothing. I dropped him for LeBanc, actually, who's been very good. So I'm very happy with that move. I'm happy to not have to worry about Clayton Keller anymore. This guy stinks. He only He's not even going to hit 50 points this year. He had 65 points last year. And right now he's got 46 points in 78 games. No way he gets four more points over three games next week unlikely uh and one of the reasons for that is that arizona as i've mentioned over and over and over doesn't score goals and that has shown they have just nine goals coming into tonight's recording nine goals for the coyotes in their last seven games clayton keller has gotten in on just one of them he's been on the ice for five of the nine goals though uh so for whatever that that's worth like he could have been in on a couple more according to an ipp that we would expect from him but uh yeah same old story arizona rarely scores Uh, their points buses are forever running on a sunday schedule showing up far too infrequently especially for anyone trying to rely on them as a normal person would and so you don't want to catch yourself relying on clayton keller on your fancy roster because he's hurt by this sunday bus schedule i don't see a goals explosion imminent for the coyotes either so yeah go ahead and drop clayton keller as arizona starts to remind me of like the trots era nashville predators team uh, like they're finding a way to the coyotes to make it work with thin depth only one or three like for sure scorers who are capable of 55 points or more and they're also playing this defense that makes average goalies like darcy kemper look stellar so they're, <laughs> they're following this playbook good for them it's not an exciting fantasy place to be unless your fantasy league values defense so funny. Like, what does Darcy Camper have to do? Like, he just got a 39 save shutout today against <laughs> Minnesota. You're going to, like, go to your grave being like, this guy stinks. I said going into today. <laughs> maybe maybe my mind has been changed for that. Look, I... I gave Darcy Kemper his credit, but I'm also saying he is one of he's been one of the best protected goalies since like this season. And right. so we need to take that into account. I am open to the fact that Darcy Kemper somehow at age 30 or 31 has figured out something new. I'm remaining more open to it now than I was two months ago. Apparently, Auntie Ranta is practicing, but it's also looking like Arizona's going to need some luck to get into the playoffs, so it might not matter, but that'll be really fun to watch next season. So who was that Nashville? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, blanking on his name right now. That Nashville goalie that was so good while he was there and then sort of was a bust once he left Which the was team. that one Nashville goalie? Like, they were all that way. Uh, Chris Mason is the one that really jumps to mind. Uh Oh my gosh, oh. there was a Finnish player for sure. I know who I'm thinking of. Brizgalov, was he on? No. Nashville? Oh, wait. Oh my God, this is embarrassing. Is it? I don't well, claim to know too much about hockey history. No, like, what? He, did, he did not play in Nashville. So where was he so good? Let's get uh, some. <laughs> Phoenix? Oh, okay. I get Nashville. Well, you were talking about Phoenix. I guess that's why I got <laughs> Oh my God. I, now I need to look up the list of, like, it's a great list of average goalies who have been made to oh dan ellis you've got dan ellis uh anders lindback that was the i hope finnish goalie i was thinking of and chris mason uh were three classically very well protected goalies in nashville that were traded and then really blew it for the rest of their careers everywhere else who's the better all-time goalie brisgalov or mike smith two former phoenix coyotes 
I uh, I don't know. Brizgalov? I, I need to actually research this question. <laughs> we I should need do- to remind myself of how Brizgalov did in his NHL career. I want to do a bracket of like non-Hall of Fame goalies. I think that'd be fun. Everyone's always comparing like Patrick Watt and Martin Brodeur, like a boring, okay? Give me, give me the really fun matchups here. Like the 30 to 50% owns of goalies that are retired. It looks like uh, Mike Smith would probably be the better goalie. Brizgalov did not have a ton of great seasons. Yeah, I don't know why. he was really well known for a while. But uh, yeah, Mike Smith had a really good career. Good for him. Still going. Uh, how's Calgary doing today? I believe that Mike Smith is going to pick up another win today. Brian, I was so right and you were so wrong. Mike Smith was the better guy to own this week over Morazic. I guess I shouldn't count my eggs, count count the chickens, whatever. But right now, Mike Smith has stopped. What the, What is this? Five. <laughs> so Calgary's winning three to one and Mike Smith has only made five saves. He's letting one goal on six yeah. shots. Yeah. So you be careful before you announce. That's like when he, he gave up like the first, didn't he give up a goal on like the first shot against LA or the first three? Anyway, you better don't count those chicks. They haven't hatched. All right. Well, looks like Calgary will probably win this game. Uh, I really hope San Jose gets Carlson back. Okay. Uh, one more cold streak and then we'll move into some hot streaks to end the show. So Dylan Strom has been ice cold lately. Uh, he only has one assist in his last seven games. He wasn't even playing with Alex Dabrinkit yesterday. The cat went to play with Kanan and Isimov, and Strom was left with Kajula and Cahoon. So a big downgrade for him. Dillstrom has shown that he does actually have a bright future. Like he looked like he was almost left for dead over in uh, Arizona. And then he came to Chicago, had that amazing run. But now at this point, even though Chicago has an amazing off day scheduled next week, just like the Rangers, they go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. But is that enough to convince you to keep Dylan Strom, who has been ice cold and now is not playing with productive line mates? Yes, it is. Dylan Strom, if you want him or not, is all about deployment. He's not getting it. Leave him be. And by the way, since we're on Chicago, I know we mentioned him before, but like, how for real is Eric Gustafsson? Like, how for real has this season been? Like I said, he's up to 56 points in 75 games. Now, that's a pace of 61 points if he played all 82. That's insane. Like, I think we did in the Almanac last summer. Like, we said that Gustafsson could be a good guy to watch. Like, I think we sort of mentioned his name, but no way was I expecting him. Like, I thought, like, maybe if he could get, like, 45 points, that would be pretty exciting. But like I said, he's pacing up for 61. Are we seeing anything unsustainable uh, in this season? Or are you thinking he should be able to do this again next year? Like, where are you going to be drafting Eric Gustafsson now? Like, people who have him in the Keeper League will have a really tough decision to make over the summer. As I could totally see this going either way. I could see him doing this again, or I could see him completely falling off. Yeah, so I'm not drafting him above Tyson Barry, that's for sure. Uh, but like you said, Elon, it, it could go either way. The thing with Gustafsson is that his percentages, like where we look for variance, it looks high for a defenseman, but maybe he's someone who can sustain it. Like there's not enough of a track record to know about him. So I would feel okay taking a chance on him next year. Uh, a lot of it, of course, depends on the guys around him, but he's still got Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkat and to a lesser extent, Jonathan Taves uh, to help score some goals uh, and get points with. So like, I like him. I li- like my early thought for him is somewhere in the 45, 50 point range, which to you probably sounds criminally low based on how well he's done this season. No, I think that seems reasonable. So you're not saying he's a total bust, like a 45, 50 point defense with someone you want to draft pretty high, but you're saying like not to that elite level yet. He'll have to show it for one more year. David in the chat room is saying next year's ghost bear, uh, which is kind of funny. Uh, Brian, who would you rather have for next year? Gustafsson or ghost bear? If you could draft one of them, Shane uh, Goss hair. Well, there's the ghost bear scratch, which we weren't really going to get to talk about tonight, but that makes, I feel like, 
Philly's going to have a new coach next year. And I've banged this drum about Philly before. Um, and when that happens, like Ghost Bear hopefully has a, a new lease on life. Uh, if you want to be super safe, I guess, I, I guess I'm saying Gustafson's the safer guy, but Ghost Despair, I still believe has the higher ceiling. He's the guy I would prefer like at a later round. I feel like you could wait on him. I just feel like I've heard so many names of players who are rumored for like to be next in line for the top power play on Philly, like with uh, uh, Ivan Provorov, uh, Travis Sanheim now this year, we've heard rumblings. So I don't know, like it seems like a very unsafe situation for Shane Gossespierre who gets so little ice time, gets scratched. I'd go Gustafsson, but okay. Uh, actually, Brian, I want to throw one more cold streak at you. I got to bring up Jeff Skinner, just one assist in his last seven games. There's a, a new player named Victor Olofsson. Not Gustafsson, Olafsson. And he was playing on the top line with Eichel and Reinhardt yesterday instead of Jeff Skinner. So Skinner's been bumped from the top line for some no-name guy. Though we'll actually get to him because he has pretty good numbers in his first two games. But yeah, talking about Skinner, I'm actually very curious not only about Skinner next week, but also what are we supposed to think about this guy? He's going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer. He's going to sign somewhere. Overall, he's had a great season or pretty good season, 60 points in 78 games. But he was at 41 points in 42 games halfway through. So it's been two completely different seasons for Skinner all-star superstar Jeff Skinner for the first half and super average and now potentially droppable Jeff Skinner go uh for the second half of the season looked like he was going to hit 45 goals that's definitely not going to happen so yeah what do you think about Skinner uh both for next week now that he's off the top line and in a keeper context and like for drafting next year Skinner's owner is probably wishing they dropped him long ago when this cold stretch started. They must be feeling some kind of vertigo, right? Like when your team is doing so well because of this unsustainable performance or what you think is sustainable, and then suddenly that projection goes missing, but none of your roster changes. Like I know this feeling. It's like this feeling of helplessness, and that's what Skinner owners have been feeling going back to mid-January. Jeff Skinner has just 16 points, 7 goals, uh, Oh, I said six assists. That does not add up to 16 points. But he has just 16 points in his last 33 games for Jeff Skinner. Um, The good news for him is that it still bombs away as far as his shooting is concerned. 116 shots on goal in those 33 games, so nearly four shots per game. But Skinner, in this stretch, is only scoring on 6% of his shots. Instead of the 21% of his shots, he was scoring on through his first 45 games, during which, of course, he was on pace for a 55 goal season so who's the real jeff skinner the answer as it so often is is probably somewhere right in between on aggregate for the season skinner shooting percentages look reasonable compared to his career history maybe a touch high still and his expected goals for haven't really gone up or anything this season in fact at five on five his expected goals uh, are at one of the lowest points of his career and on the power play it's lower than it had been for the past two seasons with carolina uh, though of course he has this nice increase in time on ice in both power play and even strength situations to help compensate for any less dangerous he's been in his shot selection. Uh, But when you boil it down, uh, first half, second half, right now, Jeff Skinner is on a 63-point pace. To be honest, that feels right. Elon, we both called him for 60 points in the Almanac this year. Uh, And Skinner, the X factor for him, uh, his future value is going to be largely dictated by where he lands this offseason. I'm very curious to know whether a team is going to pay him based on that first half. The Oilers come to mind, don't they? As a team looking for a top six winger who might uh, throw money at him. Um, Or 
maybe every team in the league is hesitant to give Skinner dollars or term because of his second half where he's just struggled so much. I could see like him signing, maybe this is going too deep into the answer, like a one year, five, six million dollar type deal, which would be good value for the team getting him. I think his best case scenario is Jeff Skinner lands in a place where he is as needed offensively and signed to like an Evander Kane type contract that we saw last off season. So uh, to summarize, he should have done better over the last 33 games. Like he, he hasn't, fallen off the face of the earth still believe in jeff skinner uh, but don't believe in 55 goal jeff skinner you should be thinking of jeff skinner as like maybe a 35 25 kind of guy for 60 points total yeah it's really weird because you'd think like his situation right now in buffalo was like a really nice scenario for him like he was playing on the top line with eichel and he couldn't hold that spot so i feel like the one thing that we've learned is this summer when jeff skinner signs somewhere we can't just be like oh Jeff Skinner's on Edmonton. He's going to play with McDavid. He's going to play, you know, like wherever he goes, we have to keep in mind that this guy couldn't hold a top line spot on Buffalo. And it's not like he's, he's been bumped for Victor Olafson, right? Like, so I feel like Jeff Skinner is the type of guy who we're going to have to be very cautious with. When you draft him, you might feel like a genius and he might go off again, or he could end up just being bumped down the lineup. Uh, by, the, by the way, so we've mentioned his name so much. Victor Olafson, two points in two games so far and nine shots on goal over those two games. So a very nice start for Victor Olafson. Who is this guy? Who the heck is Victor Olafson? Why is he on the top line? And is he going to keep this up for next week? Should people stream him in? Victor Olafson is one of these classic archetypes, except uh, of like this undersized uh, winger who's drafted like at the bottom end of a draft. He was the seventh round, 181st overall pick of Buffalo back in 2014 who just sits around maturing. Although sometimes these guys spend a lot of time in the AHL before getting their shot. Uh, But Victor Olofsson, after scoring 60 points in 64 AHL games in his first pro season, he's 23 years old right now. He he just came over from Sweden for this season. Um, He got called up quickly. And yeah, it's great to see that he's being deployed in a top six role. One of the worst things is when these guys get called up and are asked to play in a bottom six role, which is different from uh, what they've been doing and succeeding with in the American Hockey League. But Olofsson, uh, after leading the Rochester, like he's their top scorer. They're one of the best teams in the league, the Rochester Americans. So it's great to see him get his cup of coffee this year in Buffalo. And you wonder if this is a tryout to see how much Buffalo needs Jeff Skinner potentially as a third piece on that top line or exactly what they have because maybe they need Jeff Skinner and Victor Olofsson to be really competitive next year. They they need something to be improved. They need some things. Yeah, Darlene will be better next year. So that'll help. But yeah, they need a few things for sure. Uh, So yeah, maybe a good stream for next week, Victor Olofsson. I think I'd rather have him than Jeff Skinner. If he's going to be the guy on the top line, give me Olofsson. Uh, Buffalo does play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, so it might be tough to fit him into your schedule. So definitely take a look before you rush to add him. All right, Brian, now I'm ready for the hot streaks. Let's start on Florida. There's nothing really that we could give in terms of advice, but we've got to call out this top line of Barkov, Huberdeau, and Dadunov has been so, so, so good lately. There's not even a point of saying the number of points in the number of games for Alex Barkov. He's been red hot all season long like I could go he's got like 12 points in the last 10 games like 25 points in the last 20 games whatever it is he's now up to 91 points in 79 games on the season Victor Barkov Victor Barkov no no Alex Barkov is a hero 
he's amazing. And if he's underrated in drafts next year, then get him as a steal. Like I feel like he could be a second round pick and it would be totally reasonable at this point. Uh, Jonathan Huberdo is on insane pace himself. He's got 23 points in his last 14 games, which is incredible. He's up to 88 points in 79 games on the season. Only three points back of Barkov. And all this from a guy like, Brian, if you remember, we, I guess now embarrassingly had some concerns about Huberdo going into the season, or at least I did. He had been bumped to the second line for Bjugstad at the end of last season and slowed down his pace a bit. And then Hoffman was coming in at the start of the year and we didn't know who was going to get bumped from the top power play huberto goes ahead puts up his best season ever he's up like i said 88 points in 79 games he'll probably break 90 i wouldn't be surprised then you've got evgeny dadanov 19 points in his last 13 games bringing him to 68 points on the season so he was cold for a bit but if you got him as a free agent or if you held on you're brilliant hashtag team dadanov is real and he is a big part of Bri why we won our joint league and why i'm currently ahead in my cupful finals matchup i love Evgeny Dadanov. So we're talking about a line with like a 95-ish point guy in Barkov, a 90-point guy in Huberdo, and like a 70-point guy in Dadanov. Reminds me kind of of like the Colorado Avalanche or the Boston Bruins. Like, is it fair to say that this line is in the same league as those teams' top lines? Like, how would you rank these trios from best top line to worst top line? So I don't think the Panthers trio is quite up there with Boston and Colorado as just having a totally dominant line. Although I will say that Alex Barkov is an elite centerman who is not worlds away from the likes of McKinnon. Uh, I think you've got the 95-ish points for Barkov, right? I think you've got the 70-ish points for Dadanov, right? I'm still not sure I'm sold on Huberdeau being a 90-point player in his situation in Florida, which is both good when he's with Barkov and Dadanov, but bad because maybe he does get shuffled around. Um, Huberdeau is also carrying an 80% IPP at 5-on-5, which has helped fuel uh, several of those points above where I think he should be, which is probably... Like, I think if Huberto is really good, 75, 80 points is a good place to to place him. Or maybe he's Laurentinen to Barkov's McKinnon, and I'm not giving him enough credit. Um, I don't want to take anything away from the trio of Panthers and what they've done. They have made up one of the most dangerous power plays in the league this year. And guys like Huberto, Dadanov, and Barkov are the obvious reasons why. Yeah, and obviously Yandel there on the back end helping out as well. Like I said, one of the rare, or not so rare, uh, defensemen over 50 points. Uh, actually, I think Yandel has 60, if I believe. So there you go. Even, even, even rarer company. Uh, let's go to our next hot streak. Ricard Raquel making us look so, so smart for suggesting to hold on during that cold run. He's been scorching recently, including his hat trick versus Edmonton yesterday. That brought him to 15 points in his last 15 games. That's how you end a season, Ricard Raquel. And so lately, he's been playing with Silverberg and Sam Steele. That was the line yesterday. Yesterday. All three are on nice runs right now, along with Adam Henrique, who has a solid six points in his last eight games. Uh, so now looking to next week, Getzlaff injured. He might come back. Uh, Anaheim only plays twice. They're the only team to not play on Saturday. But they do play on Wednesday and Friday, two off-day games. So probably if you're streaming someone in, you're going to get as many games out of an Anaheim ad as you would out of a team playing three times or maybe even four times. So Brian, what do you think about these Anaheim guys? I remember I asked you this once. And I asked you to rank like, a whole bunch of Anaheim players. And you just said, ah, they all suck except for Raquel. At this point, any change in mind? Like Raquel is amazing. I'd even love to ask you, like, what do you think about him for next season because we ranked him so high and then we looked kind of dumb but right now he looks great but also just for next week this line with Silverberg and Sam Steele and also Adam Henrique I feel like all four of them are guys I'd be happy to have in my lineup maybe Sam Steele's the one who you don't know because he could get bumped around especially if Getzlaff comes back but yeah Raquel Silverberg Henrique Steele all hot Steele all hot oh yes Sam Steele of course 
forging ahead. I, yes, I like all those guys. I will. I know I said all the ducks suck before, um, but now like it's hard to find a good off day schedule this week. So you, you have to make some trade offs. And anyone playing with Raquel right now is in a good place to to pick up points. Elon, you know I've I've held a candle for Raquel, and I think you have too all season long. So I'm not going to give up now. Now that he's finally uh, living up to our expectations, I'm certain that with an appropriate management set up and an appropriate team around him, which I don't think the Ducks offered for much of this year and still might not be offering, Raquel is a shoe-in for that kind of for the kind of production we were hoping from him, uh, which was 70 points or more this season. So it's nice to see him get a few licks in before the season's done. And I'll be watching very closely to see exactly how Anaheim manages their offseason to see if they can do anything to become less of a tire fire or they're just throwing more rubber on the pile. Yeah, I, I like Anaheim. Like, I still like when I look at their <laughs> list of players. I feel like they should be good. Also, Troy Terry coming up. Sam Steele looking good. Like, they look like they should have a nice future. They have John Gibson, who should be you know one of the best goalies in the league. They Their defense looks okay. I think, like you say, Brian, they got to figure out the management. They got to figure out how to make these guys play well. But on paper... I like the looks of this team. Uh, we'll see how long Getzlaff and Perry and Kessler can hold up. Uh, obviously, Perry and Kessler are already, you know, over the hill. And Getzlaff, we'll see if he has another decent year in him. It's been a bit of a disappointment. But even without them, I think the team doesn't look half bad. And hey, they're doing okay lately, I, I guess. I like the name. Uh, p- potential future team name from Dave Ben here. Mr. Steal Your Goal. Uh, referencing Sam Steele. I kind of like that. Okay, so. it's a good one. It's a good one. Big win. We're going to be dropping a lot of fantasy team names on you at the end of the show. So that's a little taste of that. Uh, We'll warn you before we do it in case you want to nod off at that point. Uh, Okay, so next, uh, hot streak. So LA, by the way, has a really nice schedule next week. They play Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. So that's two off day games. And then you got Tuesday, Saturday. Also, if you have room, is it time for people to maybe once again, take a look at Tyler Toffoli? He's got four points in his last five games three, four-plus shot-on-goal games in that span, assuming, I guess, Kopitar and Dustin Brown are the main kings that you would want if you can get them. But after that, is Toffoli the next guy to grab if you want to get an L.A. player that's playing all these games? Yeah, although I also thought Jeff Carter was somebody I I considered grabbing at the start of this week, or maybe it was last week because L.A. had a good schedule, and I'm glad uh, I didn't because he followed up with a few games of nothing. Uh, Tyler Toffoli can be the same way, right? Actually, Jeff Carter, by the way, now has three points in his last five games. So uh, I guess it was just a couple games of nothing uh, before he came up with this. Anyway, uh, Tyler Toffoli just does not excite me, which is why I'm having a hard time even talking about him. I've owned him a few times this season. He comes, he goes on the score sheet and from my roster. I guess. I like the shots on goal. He's had some big shot games. I'm not saying he's going to win you your week, but I think he might be a good stream, especially because you could get these extra games out of him Then maybe you can get over other players that are available in free agents. So keep him in mind. Let's give some credit, by the way, to Andre Kopitar, who has had a rough season overall, but is ending it super strong. He's got nine points in his last eight games. He's up to 57 points overall. It would be nice to see him get to 60, so he would need three points in his last four games. Definitely doable for Kopitar with the way he's been playing. Here's a super deep cut for you, Brian. I'm just going to throw this name out there. He has no business being mentioned on this show, but if you need a defenseman and you like LA's schedule, Alec Martinez is still there. He's pointless in four games, but he's been getting like huge ice time. I know I kind of blew this. I, I like to look at the defenseman getting big ice time. Good opportunity for your blocks and things like that, even if they don't give you a point. But also like he 
he gets some second power play time. I don't know. I feel like Alec Martinez in these four games next week, I think he's going to get a point or two. So there you go. He'll, he'll give you some blocks and I think a point or two. So I'm throwing his name out there just as a hunch I have. And of course, with two back-to-backs next week, again, they play Monday, Tuesday, and then Friday, Saturday. That means you're probably going to get two games at least out of Jack Campbell, who shut out Calgary on Monday, stopping 42 uh, shots. And he also had a great game versus Chicago yesterday, stopping 33 of 35 in a 3-2 win. So like he's no Anton Hudobin, but it seems like Jack Campbell might be one of your best streaming options for next week. As a goal, you'll get two games out of, and he's doing well lately. Of course, it's kind of tricky because you don't know what days he's going to play. And probably you want him for like Monday, Friday, and not Tuesday, Saturday, where maybe your other goalies are already playing. But if you have the flexibility and you could wait until he's actually announced, take a look at Jack Campbell, who's going to get you a couple games. Yeah, you should. And also, you should look at Jack Campbell because you know who sucks, Elon? Uh, Jonathan Quick, I guess. John- Jonathan Quick. He's been so bad. He's had a good start only twice in his last 13 games, a cumulative 865 in that five and a half, six week span, limping to the finish. Elon, how dedicated will you be to him in our hypothetical almanac this year? Yeah, not as much, obviously. I, I was <laughs> wrong. about. But So who do you think is the starter next year? Do you think Jack Campbell has a chance to steal starts from Quick? I think he has a chance to, like, I don't know, maybe he could start 30 or 35. Like, he can chip away. I think Jonathan Quick's contract and, like, stature and in L.A. necessitates that he starts at least 45, 50. But maybe Jack Campbell can make a run uh, at, at getting some more starts under his belt. What a nice thing that he's finally, hopefully getting his career on track yeah though jonathan quick like you know the goalies are so unpredictable oh no don't what's what's the equivalent of ink being spilled like you know too much ink has already been spilled on jonathan quick what's the podcasting equivalent that's fine to just say i don't know like uh sound waves have been generated (laughs) but like jonathan quick like has had bad seasons before and he's bounced back and had good seasons and with goalies being so unpredictable he might be a really sneaky guy to grab a drafts next year depending how far he falls like remember when Carey price was terrible now he's looking like one of the best fantasy goalies and of course maybe price had higher highs before going into this season but uh, just saying who knows with goalies right like don't like totally forget about jonathan quick it wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibility that he has a good season next year though it obviously would help if la can figure things out that uh swing on Kovalchuk was definitely a big whiff and uh yeah so LA is going to need to figure out a way to help his go- their goalies get wins okay uh next team with a decent schedule is Edmonton they go Monday Tuesday Thursday Saturday next week Zach Cassian still playing on the top line with Drysdale and McDavid though perhaps that could change after the 5-1 loss to Anaheim yesterday so we'll see what they do going to the next game but Cassian has been there for a while he had a four game point streak before going cold in his last two games though in those last two games he made up for it for his owners in hits leagues he had, he had 10 hits over his last two games even though he had no points uh Brian who would you I I already know your answer, but I'll just ask for for the listeners. Who would you rather have between Zach Cassian and Alex Chason? Who, by the way, Chason, I know who you uh, hate and you think he sucks, but hey, he's actually been consistently playing on the second line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and has been a fixture on the top power play for a while now. So Chason is far from a sure thing for sure, but he does have six points in his last 10 games. So you'd think you can expect a couple points and maybe even a power play point next week if you add him or do you just go with Zach Cassian because he's on line one, has a better chance of having like a big game if McDavid goes off. Zach Cassian is somehow 4% owned, and he's actually been a free agent in Kakupful, Sweden, the top tier for all of the finals, and it blows me away. He has been hotter than he has been called Zach Cassian while playing with Drysaddle and McDavid. Uh, there are much worse places to be than alongside two 100-point players. So yeah, go get Zach Cassian. 
Alex Jason, you know, never excites me. Even when he's on that top line, he spent enough time on that top line not producing for me to like be mostly indifferent to him. But Ryan Nugent Hopkins, can we talk about him for a minute? Because you just mentioned him. His line combos are just a total mess. The poor guy has been playing with such like flotsam and jetsam since losing Connor McDavid as his main line mate about 15 games into the year. Uh, since then, he's been playing mostly with Chieson, Poljarvi, uh, Lucic, uh, Jujar, Kyra, and yet Connor McDavid still is Ryan Nugent Hopkins' most common even strength line mate, which underscores just how much of a revolving door he's had, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, for his line mates. And this is one reason why Ryan Nugent Hopkins has just a single assist in his last 18 games to go with his nine goals. Uh, and Nugent Hopkins only has 10 five-on-five assists in his last 63 games, going back to November when he first got split for Connor McDavid. Uh, for Nugent Hopkins, it's he scores or like nobody does. Poor guy. Yeah, that kind of sucks. Like, ah, I got to do this all myself. What did you say, by the way? His line mates were flotsam and jetsam. Is that a saying? Yeah, I actually had the word pablum in there, but I forgot uh, I, I forgot what it meant. I don't know what any of that means. Oh, flotsam and jetsam. Is this the show where we just live Google a lot of things? Flotsam and jetsam, the definition, useless or discarded objects. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Thank you very much. I'll try to use that in a sentence, uh, like at work tomorrow. It's oh. like it's like debris found in the ocean. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. So next hot streak: Oliver Bjorkstrand riding a four-game goal streak after popping another yesterday for the Blue Jackets. Uh, the streak started with a late goal versus the Canucks on Sunday, which propelled patron Tom into the Soder Talj Cupful Finals. And I loved his post on our Facebook group. He said, I can't believe I completed that comeback. I got my wife to watch multiple games tonight with me. And we were literally chanting Bjorkstrand, Bjorkstrand all game before he scored. And we absolutely lost our S when he did. Can you imagine? Like, how delightful does that sound, Brian? Have you ever had an experience like that with Josie? Uh, you know, I think I have. And like, when we go to a game, she generally like, is like, okay, so who, who are we cheering for? Like, who's on your fantasy team? But it's also a lot less like, like, have you? No, like I feel I went, uh, so my wife took me to a Leafs game last year for my birthday present. And I, it was actually the Leafs against the Islanders and I had John Tavares on my team. So I was of, of course cheering against the Leafs because I just care about my fantasy teams <laughs> and I was cheering for John Tavares. And I think she would have been happy and high fived me at least if Tavares got a point, but I believe that, uh, Craig, yeah, no, Frederick Anderson got a shutout. So there was no points for John Tavares that day. The potential difference between Tom and, and I don't know, I can't speak for how Tom manages his time and days and conversations with his partner, but like that, that might have been like a once in a season moment where like, how often do you share about your fantasy team on a regular basis? Yeah. Anyway, it sounds like it was a fun <laughs> night. But Brian, what do we think about Oliver Bjorkstrand? Like I said, he's on a four game goal streak. Do you think he can keep this up next week from his line with Boone Jenner and Alex Wenberg and I guess some power play two time? So Oliver Bjorkstrand, here's a guy who had just 129 shots over 69 games that averages out to fewer than two shots a game. And then blam, oh, 19 shots for Bjorkstrand in his last four games. And that's still playing just 12 to 14 minutes a night, which is crazy. That's really impressive. So where has this Oliver Bjorkstrand been all my life getting 19 shots in four games? To go back and find 19 shots in his game logs before these last four games 
It took him 12 games to get his previous 19 shots. And so uh, because of that, the goals have come for Bjorkstrand. And let's hope they continue to. Unfortunately, I have little to no faith in John Tortorella seeing this and being like, hey, maybe Bjorkstrand should be getting like 16, 17 minutes of ice per game with the same instructions I'm giving him now. I feel like he's still going to be limited to 12 or 14 minutes, which means that I don't know how much I can really rely on these shots and goals to keep coming, uh, but I love that he's doing so much in such a limited constraint in terms of his deployment. So I like him. Like, I always like him when he gets a bump in deployment. Yeah, I'd, I don't know. I wouldn't add Bjorkstrand. I think it's a really great run, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes pointless for the rest of the season. Or maybe he gets another goal. Like, that would be nice. So he's a guy out there. Why? That's really- well, if he's putting up five shots a game, is this how you really feel? But do you think he's going to keep doing that? Like, what is he doing overall on the season? I feel like Bjorkstrand's never been a guy that well, I've I seen just, put it. I already just said he was averaging less than two shots per game for the majority of the season. Yeah. So I'm going to probably, if I'm like my fantasy finals depends on it, I'd rather get someone who's been dependable. I'd rather have the person who generally got four shots per game or three shots per game all season and yeah, doesn't have many shots who, lately. But who's for- out there? Okay, I'm just saying, yeah, I like, like your... When you, this is like you saying, like, I'd rather have the guy who's scoring points all season instead of the guy who just started getting points now. All I'm saying, like, <laughs> obviously, I'm not saying don't grab Bjorkstrand no matter what. I'm just saying that I wouldn't rush to him. I, I feel it's unlikely that he'll keep this up just because this is a very small sample size of him getting these shots. Normally, he doesn't. Uh, but no shade. Like, maybe, like, send us your options at Keeping Carlson. Maybe I'm going to respond and say, grab Bjorkstrand. He looks like the best option out there. No, Sorry, see, no shade. Sorry, Brian. Uh, Brian, what do you think about uh, Quinn Hughes joining the Canucks last week? So first round pick from the last draft. Uh, he had an assist in his first game back on Thursday. Nothing yesterday versus Dallas. So he was plus one. He was on the ice for a goal. Uh, he could be a nice sleeper pick for next year. But in the meantime, do you see any value for next week? Vancouver just goes Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday against San Jose, Nashville, and St. Louis. So three tough games. I was listening to the Fantasy on Ice podcast with Pete Jensen. And I believe it was Pete's co-host that said, like, Quinn Hughes is a must-add right now for the rest of the season. I don't know. I'm like, I don't know about him just as much as I don't know about Oliver Bjorkstrand. What do you think? I feel like I'm less interested in him than Oliver Bjorkstrand. He's very much a next-year kind of player. Nice to see, like, get get a glimpse what we have and we'll have something to chew on at least in the off season to see how he was used and what he did with those minutes but in the short term i'm not very interested in him yeah alex edler is clearly the defenseman you want in vancouver and i don't think vancouver is the type of team where you want multiple defensemen on their team right now uh how about these hot sends players brian you must be excited about this i saw a stat i don't know if this is still up to date but it was like all the player if you add up all the points of the players that the sends traded at the deadline and then add up all the points of the players they got back it's actually the players they got back have more points than like duchene and stone and Dezingle. Anyway, i don't know if that's still the case that was like at the beginning of the week but man we gotta mention anthony duclair two goals and an assist in the win over the leafs yesterday which by the way is crazy why did the sends beat the leafs yesterday uh what's going on leafs like figure it out you got the playoffs coming. I guess uh, Sparks was in that game, but it's not as if Anderson's been much better. And anyway, so Duclair, nine points in his last eight games. Unbelievable. Brian Gibbons. Like, how am I saying these names? He's been playing on the top line with Kachuk and Colin White. He has six points in his last five games. Uh, Kachuk has five points in that span. Colin White has four. So there's like three good players plus Duclair. So Duclair, Gibbons, Kachuk, Colin White, all getting points lately. Are any of these guys worth streaming? Ottawa also has a good schedule next week. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. So you get two off-day games, and then potentially you could drop after that or hold for Thursday, Saturday. 
like, I guess, like, would you mind if I asked you to do a ranking of Sens players? I know generally you don't like that, or at least these guys. Like, how would you rank potential Ottawa streaming options? Or are you just going to say there's no chance they keep this up? Because the Sens are scoring some goals, and it looks like Duclair and Gibbons are among them. Yeah, so first you want the guys who are playing with Brady Kachuk, right? He's going to be where most of the offense is coming from, even though he's nine. Like, this is ridiculous. Anyway, uh, so that's Brian Gibbons and Colin White are playing with Kachuk at five on five. And then Duclair uh, joins in on the power play uh, and Brian Gibbons exits because Ottawa wants to run, of course, three forwards and two defensemen on the power play. So that means that Colin White is playing with Kachuk at both even strength and on the power play. And so maybe he's the guy you want the most. And then I will go Duclair and then I'll go Gibbons. All right. That sounds right. So, so declare over Gibbons, even though Gibbons is the one playing with Kachuk. I thought you said what we want first is the guys playing with Brady Kachuk. Yeah, but Duclair's playing with Kachuk on the power play, so oh. I feel like it's more likely that the points could come there. Like I, who, who between these guys, it's it's going to be even, right? Yeah, who knows? I'll, Brian, I'll take the guy playing with him on the power play, though. It's been confirmed that Craig Anderson will be in nets tomorrow for the Sens against Tampa Bay. Wow, would, big news! Would, would you play if you have Craig Anderson? Is there any chance you play? Because Ottawa's doing well lately. Like, it's crazy. Like, do you sit Craig Anderson, who's been doing well? Or do you play him? Like, I feel like you can't play him against Tampa Bay. But that game, could you imagine if Ottawa beats Tampa Bay? It would be insane. But they beat Toronto. But obviously, Tampa Bay is another league. I don't even, you don't need to answer that. Because it's obviously just a coin flip. But just a crazy situation that you could be in if you're a fantasy owner of Craig Anderson. I mean... I will correct that your definition of Craig Anderson's playing well lately extends uh, to his last two games because the seven before that, uh, 886 save percentage, including one where he played at Tampa, gave up five goals on 34 shots. Um, yeah, no, don't start him. But like okay. you said, I don't even want to answer that. You didn't even want to. You didn't even want me to. Okay, it- next. You know, I had uh, Darcy Kemper going into my couple semifinals, and I knew for a long time because I had a bye going into it that he was going to be playing against Tampa Bay on the Monday. And I like debated and debated in my head for like a week. I'm like, am I going to play Kemper in that game? And then I played him. He did okay. It was fine. He didn't get the win, but uh, maybe it'll be the same for Anderson. Anyways, okay. Uh, next hot streak. Kevin LeBanc on a four-game point streak with two power play points in that span for the Sharks. He's been on the top power play for a while now quietly up to 53 points on the season that's before today let's see here okay no points today so far calgary still winning three to one uh yeah like i think kevin lebank is pretty good like i dropped king keller for him back on thursday i told you about that i couldn't be happier uh, the sharks only go tuesday thursday saturday next week uh so maybe you don't need to rush to grab kevin lebank but i'll bet you he gets another couple points in that span he's been solid and also how about his line mate at even strength joe thornton with 11 points in his last 14 games. Thornton's now up to 47 points in 69 games on the season. That's a 56-point pace. Way to keep yourself fantasy relevant at age 39, Joe Thornton. Brian, do you think he can do this again next year? Is Joe Thornton going to break 50 points until he's 50 years old? I will never count Joe Thornton out. Uh, he's been doing great. He's been a part of a big part of the San Jose power play this year. He has assists on 14 of the 21 power play goals that have been scored while he's on the ice. And Thornton also has the most five-on-five goals uh, since that he's had since 2011-2012, back when he was still a sprightly young 32-year-old. Uh, Thornton has 10 five-on-five goals on 62 shots. Uh, so that's been the key to get Thornton up to this 56-point pace. Uh, if you're doing the math, uh, unsustainable right like he's not gonna score that often especially like he doesn't even take shots 89 shots total this season but joe thornton's still finding a way to make him work uh i like him as like a death ad like 50 points but 56 uh 
probably a little rich for next season. But again, I will never count him out. Yeah, lucky for him. He gets to play with Kevin LeBanc, who's a 55-plus point guy himself. Uh, though I guess maybe he's getting a lot of assists on these random Joe Thornton goals, which we shouldn't expect. So we'll we'll talk about LeBanc going into next season. Who knows what's going to happen with the Sharks anyways over the offseason. Uh, Brian, so were you right all along about Jordan Eberle? You used to love him so much. We gave up on him, but hey, he had a huge two-goal and one-assist game versus Winnipeg on Thursday. Followed it up with a goal yesterday versus the Sabres. And the nice thing is he's finally on the top line with Barzal and Anders Lee. Like The Islanders are finally just putting their three best players on the top line. And seems to be working out for them so far. Of course, they got that win against the Sabres. Uh, and like I said, against Winnipeg. So two wins in a row. Easier to beat the Sabres than the Jets. Uh, maybe Eberle could be a sneaky stream or at least a DFS play for next week's Monday, Thursday, Saturday slate. Like, he's probably available in a lot of leagues. And Eberle's finally good. And he's a guy you used to think was like a superstar. Yeah, well, he was briefly just about in superstar superstar territory. Like, he was a 65-point player, and when he wasn't, he was still a 55-, 60-point player. Um, I'm not going to say I was right all along, though. Like, 36 points in 75 games this year. That's ugly. You're just just trying to get a rise out of me or entertain yourself, I think. Nobody needs to hear me talk about how I still might believe in Jordan Eberle, if he just got a little more time on ice, uh, if his IPP, if his IPP was just a little higher, uh, maybe Jordan Eberle could do better and return to some version of, of his former self. But like, not somebody I would advocate drafting. The sort of guy like maybe you stream him in early in the season when he has a good schedule, and then you end up not letting go for a while if things finally do get working for him. But yeah, I'm I'm not holding my breath for Jordan Eberle. Uh, at the moment yeah so yeah you win that one <laughs> that's fair hey i don't know i i could get behind drafting him with your last pick next year getting him for zero dollars in an auction if he could play with barzal and lee for a full season that's probably pretty good well that's what we thought would happen this season yeah well i guess the islanders hey they're in the playoffs right so obviously they knew what they were doing uh okay now for the deepest ever of deep names to end the show uh who is defenseman brett kulak And why does he have five points in his last three games for the Habs with 10 shots on goal in that span? I probably shouldn't even said the Habs. Brian, would you have guessed if I asked you before uh, prepping this show, like what team is Brett Kulak on? Did you know that he was even on Montreal? Nope. I will openly admit that. I know he was on the Flames, but I did not know he was playing in Montreal. Apparently uh, 17 and a half minutes a night, 54 times this year. So uh, way to go. Yeah, so like I said, he's super... I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you, though. Like, his ice time has gone up recently for reasons that I, I well, don't know. Let me give you a bit more. I got a little more context okay. here before All I throw right. to you. So like I said, five points in his last three games. He's been playing on the top pairing lately with Jeff Petrie. He's had a huge week. Brian, uh, you convinced me, like I said, to grab Kevin Shattenkirk. I should have grabbed Brett Kulak. I'd be killing <laughs> it right now. Do you? Is there any chance he could uh, keep this going for three more games where the Habs need to win all three and also get some luck? in order to eke into the playoffs. If he's on the top pairing, like I said, 10 shots in his last three games. So it's not just like nothing. And like I said, five points. Any chance he could keep this up? Who is this guy? Unlikely he can keep this up. I'm going to, this one of those times where I'm going to answer, I barely know who this guy is. Okay. And there's not even a lot. I don't think for me to know he's been an on and off NHLer uh, for the entirety of his career. Um, which has spanned like four seasons now. Uh, he was drafted in the fourth round in 2012 by the Flames, uh, 25 years old. Like, there's really, like, I have nothing to say about him. He hasn't really shown any offensive pedigree in the AHL. Like, he's been a half point per game defenseman in the AHL. So, 
for whatever that's worth. And then uh, he had eight points in 71 games for the Flames last season. Now he's up to 17 points in 54 games this season on the, on the strength of these last three games. So I don't know what he's going to do. I'm going to assume he's not going to do a whole lot. You even look back at his junior career and there wasn't a ton, like he had a a good, good final season with the Vancouver giants. You can tell I'm stretching. I'm, I'm reaching here. If anybody wants to tell us about Brett Kulak and what we can expect from him in the future, please do. I'm going to count this, Brian, as like a perfect thing where we're going to be right either way. Like either he has a good week next week and I'm like, ah, I, I mentioned Brett Kulak. I nailed it. And if he has a bad week, then we can say, yeah, Brian said he wasn't going to pick up. So. <laughs> We've covered all the possibilities. There are no other outcomes which we have not considered. Yeah, we're going to look good either way. So I'm happy with your answer. And with that, we are done the main content for this episode. So dear listener, if you enjoyed the oh, show. Wait. No. Oh, oh you've got Bob- Bobrovsky. You want to talk about Bobrovsky? Sorry, go I ahead. I said we were going to talk about him. Uh, tonight, he shut out the Buffalo Sabres. 38 saves. Uh, so that's his fourth shutout in his last 11 games for Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, in his last 11 games, only twice has his save percentage been below 920. So he is just ripping it for the Blue Jackets and your fantasy team. If you suffered with him all season long or happened to buy low, uh, congratulations because he is paying dividends if you were able to make it this far in spite of having Bobrovsky on your roster for much uh, of the rest of the season. So a huge, huge turnaround for Sergei Bobrovsky towards the end. And this is the sort of run that does like creep you out. Like if you are looking, if you are staring down the possibility of Sergei Bobrovsky and the Blue Jackets as your first round opponent, as it looks like uh, Washington might, it's going to be Washington or Tampa. Um, you might be a little worried. You don't want to run into a hot goalie in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, and it's not only a hot goalie, right? Like this team, after their trades at the deadline, should be strong, right? And Duchesne finally had a good game. So like Duchesne's on a bit of a run now after going cold for a while. So yeah, that would be a very scary first round matchup. I'm sure if I'm like the Washington Capitals or Tampa Bay, give me like the Islanders or something. I'd rather play them, even though they're, you know, not even in a wild card spot. Give me the Leafs. I'd rather play the Leafs. I think than Columbus. You'd rather play the Leafs than the Blue Jackets? We're gonna get hate mail for that. <laughs> hey, I'm just calling it like I see it. The Leafs have t- only three wins in their last ten games. Who would you rather play between Columbus? Like the two wild card teams right now are Columbus and Carolina, with Montreal threatening. Who would you like? Montreal, I would rather play. Who would you rather play between Columbus and Carolina? Carolina, I think. Carolina's been good, though. I think you might be overestimating Columbus. Well, you just talked about how amazing Bobrovsky is. <laughs> though one thing, if I know one thing about Sergei Bobrovsky, is that he's going to blow it in the playoffs. So there is, is that, that. Does he have a record of doing that? Yeah, he always blows it in the playoffs. When's the last time Columbus made it out of the first round? It When's definitely... the last time that was his fault? Every time, I think. Playoff save percentages, Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, yeah, it was 900 last year, 882 the year before, 908, a career 891 in the playoffs for Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't just make that up. I, I, I would never accuse you of doing such a thing. It's a common, it's a commonly known fact. Okay, like I said, Brian. So thanks everyone for listening. Thank. Hopefully, if you may, if you're going into your finals, good luck. I hope we've come up with something to help you. We, we're happy to help you on Twitter at Keeping Carlson. Uh, I'm. We're definitely happy to help you on Facebook if you're a patron. KeepingCarlson.com slash patron and we'll get you in that facebook group asap like we said before just a buck and that'll get you all of our patron perks 
over the summer. So, you know, we're, we're doing a little promotion to try to keep our pay. So if you are a patron, feel free to decrease your pledge and get all your perks. Don't leave us. Okay. And we got good stuff coming for the summer. So uh, hopefully we'll keep you entertained and earn your dollar a month. Uh, okay, Brian. So with that, uh, that's our content. If you want to leave, you can leave. But we do have one last thing to get to, which is you've been collecting the names of fantasy teams that have both won their championship and have lost. So I guess we're going to first uh, pay tribute to the teams who we've lost along the way. We're going to turn on our sad music. Brian, do you remember the name of the track that I usually play uh, the sad music from when we say all the teams that have lost? Happy Father's Day. Yeah, let's let's cue that Happy Father's Day. And Brian, how do you want to do this? Uh, we'll just sort of go back and forth, saying yeah, the names of all the losers. All the losers uh, first. Uh, okay, let's start. Let's Quit do it. Stalin, bro. We got to do it with sad voice, right? Because they oh, lost. Oh, right. And we probably got to move a little quickly because usually we spread this out over a few weeks. And I only remembered to do it like last week when it was too late for the show. Okay. Quit yeah. Stalin, bro. Sith Sticks. Castlemania 3. Uh, WrestleMania 3 was a really good WrestleMania. Hulk Hogan slammed Andre the Giant, but Castlemania 3 not able to slam the Giant. They were slammed. Uh, 50 Mission Cup. Mitchie and the Buds. That 70s Strom Bone. Uh, my Nikita Burns. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, Brian likes the uh, PG uh, team names, FYI. Uh, so should I say this one? I, I don't guess think you... so. <laughs> I don't Snor- know. Snort and Lineas. Uh, straight out of L.I. Pulled Jar Jar Ravioli. <laughs> I don't get that. I don't know. Maybe you have a jar of ravioli. And you pulled it? And Jar Jar Binks is a character. Like, so I get like... Jar Jar Binks. I've never seen a jar of ravioli before, though. <laughs> like or a... pulled ravioli. You know, like the... What's that brand called? The guy with the mustache? And you buy the pasta in the cans? <laughs> Mr. Chef, Chef Boyardee. That's it. <laughs> the best description of Chef Boyardee I've ever heard. Um, Midwest Pipeliners. Right, stop smiling. These teams lost. Oh, they... Midwest Pipeliners. Oh my god, it's so sad to oh. have make it so far and then lose. I know the feeling. Not this year, uh, but generally I know the feeling. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Oil guy. Scorpion in my Jeep. Sunnyvale Sam Squanches. A Trav Isti. Is that like a reference to Travis Sanheim? I think <laughs> it's a reference to the guy whose team it is named Travis. Travis Konechny? I don't think it's his fantasy team. <laughs> Ogie McOblethorpe. Ostentatious, like spelled with an O. Nice, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, Brooklyn Island. Hmm. It's Brooklyn. It's not an island. Uh, the Duchaniacs. Highlanders. Otters. Cocaine. Oh, two drug ones. Okay. How to train your Sagan. That's pretty good. I bet Jim Lights wants to know the answer to that. <laughs> good one. Huh. I, no, that's not the, That's like the, not even in the top 10 of the names we've said so far. But of course you like it. <laughs> really? You like, you'd like to say that to your classroom of like grade ones or whatever. They'd probably <laughs> think that's great. C.R. Krakens, formerly the Sam. Bennett Express. <laughs> I don't get... Okay. Do you not have, like, the whole window open? Why? Well, because it's formerly the Sam Bennett Express. Oh, oops. Okay, let me stretch this out a bit more. 
<laughs> I think we should just read the first, like, two-thirds of the characters of a team name from now on. Okay, here we go. Only a few left to go. Only another 20 minutes to go. <laughs> Tro check yourself. The Horseless Headmans. Richie's Left Nut. There, I said it. The Mike Madonos. The Bedmans. <laughs> Fulton Reed's Shooting Clinic. Taves and Confused. Do you know the reference of Fulton Reed? I remember that. Uh, no. I think the Mighty Ducks. I think he was like the tough guy. Oh. I might be wrong. Well, I think so. The Mookie Blaylocks. Oh, do you, do you know Mookie Blaylock? No. Um, one of the best basketball names of the mid-90s, right up there with Muggsy Bogues. Huh. Yeah. Muggsy Bogues was in an episode of Kerber Enthusiasm, but I can't say what it was about because you like things to be clean on the podcast. Well, how d- it's a curve episode. How bad? I'm sure you can massage it. Well, someone saw Muggsy Bogues in the bathroom <laughs> and was surprised with what he saw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know that Mookie Blaylock's real name is Darren? I don't. I don't even know who he is. So Mookie, he played for the Atlanta Hawks, and his name is Darren O'Shea Blaylock. Now I need to find out where Mookie came from. Was he an NBA Jam? I guess I never played as Atlanta. I was usually oh. the Utah Jazz. Oh, a fun game would be to see how many NBA Jam players we can name from each team. I don't okay. think it would be a lot now, but ten years ago, I probably still would have had a lot of those names. I could definitely give you a lot of NHL '94 lineups. Oh, at least top well, lines. Yeah, come okay. on. Come on, that's baby stuff. Okay, let's go, let's go. Auto-draft all-stars. But I mean, you auto-draft, so what do you expect? Okay. Pulak and Lode. They were the regular season champs, but quarterfinal losers. Bummer. Kramerica Industries. Love it. Legend Killers. Optimus Rhyme, who also had the best regular season and then was upset by the eighth seed in the quarterfinals in their worst week of the entire year. That's the, the pitfall of one-week matchups in the playoffs, you know? <laughs> Kuznetsov the Moorings. Uh, Hosa, I, maybe you can interpret this one, Elon. Hosa's Jepsen's Malort. Tweeted us at Keeping Carlson and explain <laughs> that one. Well, the person who told us the name tweeted at us, so we could just write... No, it's on them. You need to explain your name, Hosa's Jepsen's Malort. I like referencing Marion Hosa. Great player. Stepan Urkel. <laughs> I like that. That's actually, uh, I know who that is. Our buddy Ian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Deeks of Hazard. I feel like Stepan Urkel, it was in my division of tier two Ottawa Cupful. It was a good team. I feel like Ian just sort of got busy and stepped away for a bit. That team could have been a playoff team with, I think, more focus. I'm sure Ian had like really important things he had to do instead. But like you did a really, really good job drafting that team and managing it first, Ian. Okay. Uh, the Little Mermaids. Ranting and raving. That's a good one. Yeah. Good pun. Smells like Kucherov. Geister bars, and then a ghost and a bear emoji. Yeah, that's uh, Ryan, who I beat in the semis of the couple. Tease.org. <laughs> JVR Do Re Mi. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's Ryan also. Okay. I don't get that one. Well, I know Do Re Mi. It was JV, and then there's a space and A R R R. Anyways, okay. So all you people lost. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> hopefully next year things will go better. I feel like it's very hard to win a fantasy pool, right? So uh, you probably, a lot of these people probably either made, at least made the playoffs, probably lost in the semis or the quarterfinals or the finals. So it's tough luck, but don't, you know, be too hard on yourself. 
uh, come back next year, get that championship. It'll feel all the sweeter knowing that you had to have a year off in order to earn it. Uh, but speaking of how hard it is to win, the following teams should be really proud of yourselves because these are the winners. Let's change the music to the happy music. What do we play? What do we play now for the? Ha- oh, I know what we play. Are we doing a Dr. Mario? Dr. Mario. Until we get sued, we're going to keep playing Dr. <laughs> Mario. So let's cue that up right now. Boop, 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 boop. And uh, before I say it, I wanted to say something to the people who won. It's, I feel like for me, I always have this feeling like when I lose, I beat myself up on it about it for like all summer long. I feel really bummed about it. And when I win, it's like a great feeling. And then a week later, like I've moved on. Like I feel like I don't enjoy my wins as much as I suffer my losses. So my advice to you as winners is really revel in it and give yourself kudos. Treat yourself like this week, next week. You worked all season for this and you won. So congratulations. Enjoy the enjoy the money if you won money. And also just revel in how brilliant you are because it's really hard to win a hockey pool in under most circumstances. Uh, so, okay. With that, I'm really liking motivational Elon having uh, some nice words for the losers and the winners. You're like the fantasy hockey season valedictorian. Yeah, if you're feeling very sad or something just like uh give me a call we'll we'll talk it through okay tweet at us elon will take care of you yeah okay so let's start the winners with comeback kid uh rhymes with sticks ahoy okay besser for prez one win, one in a tiebreaker wow skitoni probably not. definitely not saying that right <laughs> orange crush saving bobby bryant good name nice Mitch Matthews Magic. Also, the Kakuppies coming up. You're going to hear some of the best names in the Kakupful. I think the, the names, I'm so proud of the team names in the Kakupful. So stay tuned for that if you're listening for the team names. Uh, ain't no hella but girl. Nice. Holland Keller. The Ratty Pack. I wonder if that person drafted Ty Ratty. <laughs> Probably. And then obviously dropped them quickly enough to still contend. Yeah. Barkov's Beauties. Uh, Crosby likes Alexander. Moose Knuckle. Medal of Connor. Uh, Anor Londo Dragon Slayers. Hmm. Uh, no Ragretskis. I feel like that's from something, no Ragrets. I feel like I've heard that somewhere. It's like a meme. Oh, okay, that's what it's from, okay. The Buckland Hawks. Uh, Team Brian... (laughs) <laughs> with the Y. Yes, Way to good. go, Team Brian. <laughs> Represent. Do you consider yourself in the same no. class as Brian's with Ys? Uh, the question is, do I consider Brian's with Ys in the same class as me? Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> Kane is able. Fourth line plug. Daniel's dandy team. Don't be a menace to South Calgary while drinking rosé in a museum. True it grit. Like I don't sound excited enough. So change it up. You got a lot of teams to go. Okay. All right. True Gritty. Shabatawa Senators. Chubarkov. Shooter McGavin. Pickle Power. The Bakers, man. Barwick Canadian Vikings. PTKL title back to back, baby. Apes together. Strong. Team Batman. Didn't we say Team Batman and the <laughs> Losers? <laughs> Maybe this person had several teams, or a lot of people go with the name Team Batman. Or maybe this person's a liar. <laughs> maybe they, they told us they were a loser the first time we asked them. Like, you know what? I, I want to be a winner. <laughs> uh, a team to remember. Uh, the Saviors. Strong Salad won their fifth consecutive title 
in Backdoor Pucks 9. Elon, if you've won five consecutive titles, either you have to leave or you have to be, like, kicked out by everyone you're playing with, right? I feel like, I wonder if this is, like, a Cameron Robinson-type league where he has, like, all the best keepers, like, McDavid and Kucherov and Crosby all on his team. He just, like, wins every single week, (laughs) every single year. It's probably that kind of situation. But yeah, good luck. Good job still having friends with the other people in your league, <laughs> even though you beat them all the time. You should take these people out for drinks, by the way. If you want money, you got to take the losers out for drinks. Uh, foiled Knuckles. Uh, great Whites. Equalizer with the back-to-back. Nighthawks. Austin Powers. Bring Cat won the Floppy Chimps Hockey League. All of that sounds made up. <laughs> Okay, then there's B-Chalk, all capital, <laughs> B-C-H-O-C-K. It could also be B-C-Hawk. B-C-Hawk, maybe that Or Buck-Ock. Yeah. And Brian, let's look. How about Bento Box, our joint team that won Ooh. the Dynasty League for like the third time in four years or something like that? Dominated. <laughs> Dominated. Was that our team name? Yeah, it was Bento, Bento Box. Bento Box. And the logo, because we had Jamie Ben, and I made, I found a picture of a Bento Box, and then in each square, I put pictures of the different players on our team. It was really great. I did know the team name. I was just trying to... But ben, Jamie Ben was not the acquisition we hoped for him to be at the start of the year, but uh, hey, still got it done. Yeah, Bento Box. Yeah, we actually traded John Tavares for Jamie Ben, and that did not work out, but we still won. So that's great. Uh, that's it. So congratulations to all the winners. Sucks to be you to all the losers. And with that, Brian, let's end this show. Let's cue the outro music. And why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dabra Hockey and supported by and powered by our patrons including our newest ones, Jared S., who's a... We've long time interacted on Twitter. Welcome, Jared. And Jonathan V., uh, welcome aboard. Happy to have you. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects, Natural Statric, Evolving Hockey, Reincarnated Corsica Hockey, Charting Hockey, Cap Friendly, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, Roto World, and Yahoo! Great job, as always. Brian, we'll be back to do this one more time next week. We'll break down how the season ended, talk a bit of playoffs, and then we'll go to our bi-weekly schedule for the summer. But looking forward to the final week next week. If you join us live, keepingcarlson.com slash live at 8 p.m. Eastern. Until then, just for another week or maybe for another decade, keep on keeping Carlson. <laughs>